Welcome to the Business and Personal Development Podcast with Chris Haroon, where you'll find tips on how to take your career to the next level. Good morning and welcome to our 158th weekly webcast. Now, if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. If you've been with us before, welcome back. And so the way this call works is this is an AMA, meaning you can ask me anything. You can ask me business questions, personal questions, career questions. The call lasts for three hours or until there's no more questions. Now, this week, all I'm going to be doing is taking questions from you. I don't have any prepared content. So without further ado, let's begin. And thank you as always. All right. So late last night, I saw a couple questions posted. Um, if, if you post at night, just know a lot of times they get deleted. So this one came from Huey who wrote, uh, hi, Chris. Hey, Huey. I'm a fresh graduate and I can't get a job. There's one finance advisory group uh, that approached me I'm a bit introverted and I don't have much friends. Uh, I don't really care or know if this, if a, this career is right for me. Can you talk about financial advisor careers? Thanks. Yeah. A couple questions there. So let me first of all touch upon uh, the entire uh, introverted concepts. So I used to be much more introverted. I was a programmer for many years back in the 1990s. And I love programming, but I was stuck in this zone coding for 10 or 12 hours a day and not interacting with people. And I go to parties and I feel kind of nervous. Uh, and so the only way to break out of being an introvert or, or not feeling comfortable around people is to run towards your fears. You always want to run to your fears in business and in life. Because I promise you the fears that you have, everybody else has, but they just don't talk about it. So if you're fearful of public speaking, run towards your fear and present a lot and learn to enjoy it. Condition yourself to enjoy it. And I teach you all about that, how to, how to teach or how to, how to present passionately straight from the heart uh, on my online courses and my MBA program. Uh, so please check that out. And I was terrified for years, man. I was terrified until I ran to my fear and I learned to enjoy it. The same thing when it comes to other issues in business, like being fearful of accounting. Don't worry. If you understand accounting thoroughly, and these are just props here for my options course I'm going to be releasing soon. But if you build on things one step at a time and you understand options or accounting or finance, whatever it might be, it's much easier to apply it in the real world. Because if you memorize stuff uh, in business, you'll never succeed. Now, when I was an undergraduate university eight million years ago uh, at McGill University, what happened was I got a D in accounting. And the reason I got a D in accounting was because I was trying to memorize equations. Don't memorize stuff. Try to understand it. Once you understand it, then you enjoy it. It's like a game. It's like a puzzle. And that's what I'm trying to do with my, my upcoming options course, which is taking me 8 million years to make, but it's coming soon, I promise you, this year. So just try to understand things and run towards your fears and you condition yourself to enjoy it. Yeah. And you can also think of what you know Tony Robbins talks about when he discusses... He discusses pain versus pleasure. So if you narrow down everything in life to pain or pleasure, it makes you longer term focus. So for example, if I eat this chocolate cake in front of me, I'll get this much pleasure, but this much pain in the long run, because obviously it's bad for you. If I don't learn accounting and finance the right way, you know, it'll be 
pleasurable because I can be lazy and just like I was and not worry about uh, understanding concepts. But the painful part is for the rest of your life, you'll never reach your full potential in business as accounting and finance uh, is the language of business. You got to learn that, that stuff. The same thing when it comes to being an introvert, which I used to be, and I feel your pain. I know what you're going through. I've been there, brother. If you don't force yourself to talk to other people and socialize at parties uh, or at work, etc., yeah, it can be. You'll feel a little bit of pleasure because you won't feel uncomfortable. But the long-term ramifications are very, very painful. You have to run towards your fear. Same thing with presenting. A lot of people, they they they're fearful of presenting, like I was for eight million years. And they, de they derive pleasure, this much pleasure, from avoiding uncomfortable situations to present. But it's a lifelong uh, amount of pain because if you can't present well and you don't learn how to do it, then you can't sell yourself, which means you can't get that job of your dreams or you can't get that customer or you can't get that perfect date. So the bottom line is you got to run to your fears in life, whether it's presenting, accounting, finance, uh, etc., and I'm humbly here to help you every step of the way. Take your career to the next level. Run to your fears always, please. Now, in terms of finding a, a job, um, I would recommend humbly that you network like crazy. And if you're an introvert, this is going to feel uncomfortable at first. But once you set up your first couple informational meetings, it becomes second nature and it's fun and you enjoy it. Just condition yourself to enjoy things. When I went to go work at Goldman Sachs in my 20s, I was so damn scared, man. I was scared that if I speak, they'll know I'm dumb. If I don't say anything, they'll just think I'm dumb because I was so nervous. And then finally, I ran to my fear and I conquered it. I forced myself to network and do tons of informational meetings. And I narrowed it down to three things for me. All I wanted to do was meet people, have fun, and learn. And so if you change your perception, you can change your life. It's like the Rodin sculpture, I think, therefore I am. So we have to condition ourselves to enjoy aspects of business that we are fearful of. Now, when it comes to uh, getting a job, just sending in your resume, it, it, it doesn't work anymore. Because whenever you see a job opening, there's thousands of other people that apply online. The person that gets the job quite often knows somebody on the inside. So what do you do? Well, you network aggressively using the concepts I teach in my MBA program and my complete job course. And you get a ton of informational meetings that, with people that work at the company you want to work at. And you bond with them initially during the meeting. Remember, always bond before business because relationships are more important than product knowledge. And then after you bond with them, you ask them if they can help you get that position in the firm. Then you give them your resume. It's just how it works. So business is about uh, relationships first and product knowledge second always. And best of luck to you. Uh, and if the philosophies I talk about right now don't work for you, please let me know. You can always go to my website, haroonventures.com, and then just download my free networking book. I promise you it helps. Yeah. Okay. Next up, I've got... Um, hold on a second. All right. Next up, i got Demian, uh, who is... Um, uh, he, he's, he lives in Barcelona. Uh, with his uh, wonderful wife and daughter, and he's in my MBA program. Great guy. So Demian wrote, uh, Dear Chris, uh, good morning, and I hope you're well. Likewise. 
Okay, would you please tell me your thoughts about uh, Udemy's IPO and Starlink? Uh, how can we participate in them? Yeah, so when it comes to, to the Udemy IPO, um, I'm not gonna be making any comments on this. Thank you. Um, there's kind of a conflict of interest because I teach on the platform. It's just not fair for everybody. In terms of Starlink, um, yeah, so Elon Musk um, created Starlink, um, which is basically a couple thousand satellites that are already in orbit that beam internet access to every country in the long run. Right now, there's only 14 countries that he's beaming satellite access to, and it's kind of expensive. It's $99 uh, per month, and you also have to buy equipment, a special router, a satellite dish, etc. Now, we know that when it comes to technology products, the cost of computing drops materially. In fact, uh, McKinsey, back in the 1990s, they did this wonderful survey, um, and they, they published this report that stipulated that the component prices in all televisions, computers, etc., all component prices drop by 0.6% every single week. It's amazing. And so eventually, Starlink, I think, will become close to free in the long run, the pricing point will go down. And a lot of countries are not gonna allow Elon Musk to beam satellite access, but all they can do is kind of wave their fist at the sky, right? And the beautiful thing about Starlink um, is that everybody in the world at one point will be able to get unfiltered access to internet, right? So no, no more propaganda. Every country will get access to it, which is wonderful. And so in terms of how can you invest? Well, SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk's uh, company, of course, is going to spin off Starlink within the next six months or so uh, into an IPO. And that's how you'll be able to invest in it. And the use of proceeds from the IPO is going to go towards, of course, building thousands and thousands of, of more low-orbiting, uh, smaller satellites. And back in 2016, which feels like yesterday for me, uh, I gave a TEDx talk on my vision of the world and how access to uh, free education online or discounted education online can solve every problem uh, in the world. Um, and part of my thesis was getting satellite access uh, to internet um, for, for, for educational purposes. So check it out. Do a search on my name uh, and my TEDx talk because everything I talked about humbly is becoming true now. And what we're doing is we're actually using those satellites, or we will be soon, to, to actually power uh, uh, or provide internet access to the school that we're building in Magu, Rwanda. And I plan on building a school every single year. And eventually I wanna have a school in every country in the world. And all my profits I humbly make, and I've, I've been doing well humbly, um, I want all of that uh, to go towards building schools and so I have nothing left for myself. After I pay my employees, of course if they're watching. All right, uh, next up, uh, Demian said, um, do you consider that they can be profitable long-term investment? Um, uh, yeah, uh, if you're talking about uh, Starlink, uh, I think in the very, very long run, yes. Now, of course, they're gonna be extraordinarily unprofitable uh, for probably the first five or 10 years that they're a publicly traded company. Um, and then eventually leverage kicks in and they'll be profitable like Tesla is now. And like Amazon is now and many other internet companies that started off being unprofitable for the first five or 10 years. Okay, next up, Demian wrote, uh, I'm currently uh, at 27% mark in the MBA program. Thank you. 
Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot and learning thoroughly uh, with all the incredible tools uh, you provide. Thank you so much, man. I'm very, very humbled to hear that. Thank you. Okay, and I'm adding a lot more stuff too. So all this, this options concepts, topics, I'm going to be adding to the MBA program soon. Um, it's going to be the longest version uh, of, of the, the, the course. I'll also be releasing a shorter version of the course uh, as well. And with my MBA program, uh, which you get a, a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee, uh, with the MBA program, um, I keep adding new stuff every year. It's always going to be current and up-to-date um, so that my, my students can reach their full potential in life. Now, if you're currently registered uh, for the silver version of the MBA program, meaning the on-demand version, please check your inbox because in the next few days, um, I'm going to be sending you information about how to upgrade uh, for a cheaper pricing point to gold and platinum. Now, the next gold and platinum versions of my MBA program uh, starts uh, this, uh, this upcoming January. And if you want to learn more about it, uh, what you can do is just go to my website, haruneducation.com, uh, and then click on uh, About MBA uh, Programs. And we have uh, an unbelievable brand new state-of-the-art website uh, that my team, uh, jo Joey uh, and, and Lionel, have been working very hard on. And that's going to go live uh, next week. It's state-of-the-art. I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of my team as well. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, Demian wrote, I'm very excited about the portfolio management topics uh, in the MBA program. Thank you. Uh, they come in handy. They're practical and they're masterfully explained. Um, uh, God bless you and, and a big hug uh, from Barcelona. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I hope to meet you one day as well. And for anybody that's been a uh, couple hundred people that have graduated uh, from the gold and platinum uh, version of the MBA program over the past couple of years, uh, we're in year two, we're going to year three next year. But if you graduated already, uh, there's an annual alumni event for all of you. It's going to be December 18th here in the Bay Area. I, I rented a massive museum. It's going to be a blast. Bring your family. You should have got an email uh, about that. If not, uh, email support at haroonventures.com. And thank you. And it's going to be an annual uh, alumni a networking event, too, for my Gold and Platinum students. Yeah. All right, uh, next up I got Rudy. Rudy, how are you, man? It's been a while, it's been several months. Uh, I recall about two years ago, you started an insurance company. I hope it's going well for you, yeah. So Rudy wrote, uh, what's up, Chris? Uh, hope you're doing good, likewise. Uh, what do you think about uh, AT&T stock? Is it, is it a broken uh, company or a broken stock? Yeah, and so what I love to do is I love to invest in companies that I love where it's a broken stock, but not a broken company. And what that means is the stock is oversold. And the best time to buy is when the RSI is around 20 uh, in your favorite long-term investments. I teach you much, much more about technical analysis, fundamental analysis, valuation, and more in the MBA program. In terms of AT&T, a lot of people that own it uh, are value-oriented investors because there is a decent dividend yield. Um, but I, I'm not a big fan uh, of, of AT&T. Uh, or, or other mobile companies, because I think in the long run, uh, a lot of this technology when it comes to communicating with each other using voice is gonna be replaced uh, with using TICP or TCPIP, which means the internet. Yeah, so uh, I, I think what, once a tech company or a telecom company uh, or anything future oriented starts to go into secular decline, meaning they start to become a little bit less relevant, then it's a slippery slope and it's game over because turnarounds only work in technology, maybe for one or two companies per decade. Like if the founder comes back, for example, like Steve Jobs did back in the 90s. 
But once the tech company starts becoming a little bit less relevant, okay, then it's game over. It really is because turnarounds don't work. Now, if you're interested in learning a lot more about probably the best turnaround in the history of technology, there's a great book uh, by the former CEO and McKinsey consultant of, of uh, McKinsey uh, and IBM, the former CEO of IBM, uh, Lou Gerstner, called Who Says Elephants Can't Dance? And he turned IBM around uh, back in the 1990s by getting rid of the, the, the PC market for them. They sold off Lenovo uh, to a Chinese company. They took Lexmark uh, public, they spun it off, the printer company, et cetera. And they just focused on software and services. Software has very high profit margins and consulting services is a brilliant idea for a big tech company because it's a distribution channel to sell your products. Okay, uh, next up I've got Andrew Wallace. Andrew, how are you, man? Um, uh, hey, Chris and everyone else. Uh, I think it's great that you do these webcasts. Thank you, I appreciate it. We're in our fourth year of doing this now, man. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And thank you all for being here. Uh, my students inspire me so much. Okay. Uh, next up, I got Persona Non Grata, uh, uh, PNG, who said, uh, do you know of any cryptocurrency comparison engines or selection engines by feature, uh, thankfully yours? Yeah, I, I would say that there's, there's nothing really out there uh, that I focus on. You can always go to any stock picking website uh, and then just search on cryptocurrencies enter the ticker dash USD if you want US dollars and compare the market caps, for example. But there's not much else you can see aside from that and technical analysis. Now, if you wanna uh, get a holistic higher level perspective or view of cryptos, you can always go to um, coinmarketcap.com and just here you, you, can, you can just sort uh, by market cap, volume, circulating supply, uh, et cetera. And Bitcoin is now at an all time high. Um, because uh, they're now part of an ETF that the U.S. government's approved, which is pretty exciting stuff. And to learn more about cryptocurrencies, you can always take my, my MBA program or take my cryptocurrency course, which is updated recently. Yeah. All right. Um, next, next up, and I teach you in the course of my MBA program and the crypto course uh, how to do proper analysis of cryptocurrencies. Like I basically create for you in that course a massive S1 IPO document, but for each crypto you want to analyze. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Thomas wrote, uh, thanks, mate. Uh, you're most welcome. Good to see you, Thomas. All right. And Andrew's asking another question. I'm starting a, an app with three other people. That means that we each own 25%. Okay. Um, uh, we put in a lot of work but what happens uh, if, if down the road we realize we need to take on uh, more partners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would say if you need access to capital, um, take my, my MBA program because I teach you how to raise capital. In fact, in the third of four semesters, I provide you with a, a pretty comprehensive venture capital boot camp, which is based on my experience working in the venture capital industry. And I never want you to use your own money. I don't want you to use a loan either because banks are chicken. If, and if you can't pay it back, they'll take everything. I want you to register your company and I want you to approach high net worth investors so that you can be happy at home and not stressed out as well as you build your empire. And I teach you how to do this in much more detail uh, in my MBA program. You can always go to my website, haroonventures.com uh, to learn more. Uh, but at some point you're gonna have to decrease the percent you own of the company if you want to scale it. 
So there's four of you right now and you each own 25%. But at some point, if you wanna raise money, you're gonna to have to sell off part of the company. And I explain exactly how to do that in a lot of detail in my MBA degree program. Thank you. All right. Next up, uh, Andrew wrote, um, how do you divide and decide uh, how much investors get? Uh, do you do it by shares or just offer a percentage with a partnership agreement? Yeah, and you're referring to people you work with uh, as well as potential investors, yeah. So always get a lawyer involved. You can go to LegalZoom.com uh, and it's a cheap way to get access to lawyers. I use them all the time. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I'm not gonna make money if you go there and use LegalZoom, please do that. In terms of, of divvying up the shares, what happens is lawyers will create an investment offering memorandum for you and your company, uh, and they'll create what's called a cap table, I mean the capitalization table. And they'll decide, with your approval of course, what percent everybody gets. Now, if there's four of you and you all co-founded it, make it 25% each, like you mentioned there. But when it comes to the capitalization table, um, eventually you're going to have to dilute yourself to raise money. And almost all billionaires own well under 50% of their company. And they became billionaires by raising capital, which I teach in a lot of detail uh, in my courses and my MBA program. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and if you want, what you can do is if you want to learn how to make a term sheet. Um, now, a term sheet is something we use in the venture capital industry and many other industries as well. Uh, to help you understand um, what percent of the company to give to investors, etc. It's not legally binding a document, but I'll show you how to create one, okay? And then get a lawyer involved. So you go to wsgr.com, that's Wilson Sonsini Group. It's a law firm here in the Bay Area. I've used them, they're great. And you search for term sheet generator, okay? And what, what happens is um, you, you go to their website. Here it is here. And they ask you a bunch of questions. It, it's free to use this. They ask you a bunch of questions. And then what happens is after you've answered all the questions online, they create for you automatically a 10 to 15 page Word document that contains all the terms of the deal, hence the name term sheet, including dilution. Is it the ABC round? Um, uh, do you have warrants? Uh, and also the capitalization table, the cap table. So if you go here, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to find it. Uh, Wilson Sonsini, uh, term sheet generator. Here it is right here, okay. So the way it works is, and, and they do this as a free service, and they also do it because they wanna upsell you as well to buy their other legal products, which you don't have to do because they're expensive, but they're good. So what happens is you go, of course there's legalese here. I've read and understand the, the terms, which I don't. <laughs> Um, and then what happens is it'll ask you basic questions like the name of your company, what state or country uh, is it registered in? A lot of people in America use Delaware because it's a lot cheaper because when the founding fathers started this country, a lot of them were lawyers and a lot of them congregated in that area. But you'll be able to click through and create an entire term sheet. Now, last thing I'll say about that um, is, uh-oh, did, did it freeze on me? I think it froze on me. All right, give me one second, guys. Oh, frustrating, this happens. We're in year four and it's it froze on me, okay. So what I'll do is I guess I'll just talk in the corner here while hopefully it unfreezes. But what happens is when, when you approach somebody and get them to invest, the first thing that happens is a lawyer creates what's called a term sheet. And the term sheet is 10 to 15 pages or so. 
And after you and the other parties agree to the terms and you sign it, it's not legally binding, then you get lawyers uh, involved. All right. Now, I don't know how to do Control-Alt-Delete uh, on, on a computer here. Uh, very, very frustrating. Apologize about this, guys. All right. So I'll go through the other questions, I guess, in, in mini mode. Yeah. Okay. And let me see what you guys are seeing here on the webcast on my other computer. All right. I'll just stay in the corner for a while. Why not? All right. Uh, next question uh, I, I've got here is, uh, Andrew said, what if you don't want to give uh, other employees uh, or people you work with a uh, full percentage of the company? What else can you give them or offer them? Um, and how do you do the shares? Yeah, do the shares through what, what I just mentioned here. Uh, in terms of what to offer them, obviously there's cash as well. And hopefully you can raise enough money to be able to pay them the same base salary they're making uh, working for somebody else. And I want you to pay yourself as well the same base salary you make if you work for somebody else. And you can do that if you raise enough money. And I teach you how to do that in my MBA program. All right. Uh, next up, I've got uh, Patrick uh, who said, uh, uh, please, sir, uh, when I asked to discuss an M&A deal, you know what I'm going to do right now, guys? I'm so sorry about this. I'm going to have to do a hard reset of, of my computer here. Uh, please stay with me. Okay, I'll be right back and I'll type here. Okay, uh, please stand by. Restarting computer. Thank you. Okay. All right, guys. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a hard reset uh, on my computer here. And if you notice that you can't log back into this call, just look at the subject line. Okay, give me a minute or two. Look at the subject line of the, the YouTube uh, live events and you'll see another link you can copy and paste to. Okay, so give me a second again. I'm going to restart the computer. So sorry for this technical issue. Um, it happens rarely, but occasionally. So again, I'm going to restart my computer and I'm going to re restart the, the webcast. Now, if you're watching the webcast and you notice that, hey, there's nothing left, um, it ended, then look at the subject of the webcast, mean the title of the YouTube video, because what I'll do is I'll save there the new link uh, for the webcast. So I've got to do a hard reset. Uh, th this, this happens. I feel like Bill Gates used to always get the blue screen of death uh, whenever he um, uh, whenever he was doing a, a live demo with Windows. Give me a second. I'm going to do a hard reset. I'll go dark for a minute.
All right, I think we're back. Goodness, can you believe this? Wow, all right. Give me a second, guys. All right, good. I think we are good to go. Sorry about that, guys. Um, had to restart my computer, reinstall Wirecast, configure it. Sorry about that, my bad. All right, so where were we? And thank you all for your, your patience uh, with me. It's tough doing these things live. No excuse, though. All right. Um, great. You hear me and you see me, right? Let me know if you see me. I think we're good to go. All right. Next up, I got a question from uh, Patrick uh, who said, please, sir, uh, when I'm asked to discuss an, a mergers and acquisitions deal, what are the key facts to discuss about the deal uh, in summary? Yeah. So when companies buy other companies, um, it's, it's either because uh, from a qualitative perspective, they'd rather buy versus build their own technology. So there's a couple of things they have to look at. Number one, is the deal accretive or dilutive? And, and what that means is if it's accretive, it means that it makes the company's valuation look more attractive because the, the, the company they're buying uh, has high earnings relative to its valuation. Okay, so we look for accretion. Uh, secondly, what we look for is we look for merger synergies and we make sure that the, the company they bought fills a gap uh, in the product portfolio. So for example, the way that Oracle has grown over the years, Oracle is a big software company based here uh, in, in, in California state. So Oracle's got a database product. Um, they've also got a couple of other apps and they found that they weren't very good at creating their own apps internally. And so they bought Siebel, which fills out their product portfolio, their platform. Siebel is like Salesforce, um, sort of. They bought PeopleSoft, which does HR-based software. They also bought um, uh, Hyperion, which does business intelligence. They bought BEA, which does middleware, etc. And with all these deals, they did it because they had to buy versus build because they didn't have the technology capabilities to create great products. So that's what I had to do. But what's dangerous about that is if you make a big deal and you're a big tech company, then investors love it because it looks like revenue goes up. But then one year later, it's a slippery slope because the year-over-year -year comparisons are tough and the stock goes down a lot unless they do another big deal. And the financial engineer, uh, the, the brainchild behind this um, is uh, Safra Katz uh, from, uh, from Oracle. She's amazing. She was an investment banker at DLJ for years. She knows how to do this perfectly. Um, you got to make sure also that you have distributions of channels in place to sell the product globally. That's why Coca-Cola bought Dasani Water. Because Coca-Cola has got distribution channels in every country, in every little corner store, etc., so even though Dasani looked expensive when they bought it, the deal was accretive for them. You also want to make sure there's a good cultural fit um, because you know that one bad apple can destroy the corporate culture of an entire team, for example. So make sure the people are great, obviously. Uh, and then what happens is after the deal is announced, um, if the government approves it six months later or so, then there's a lot of redundancies. And so the company that made the acquisition has to let a lot of people go because you don't need two CFOs. You don't need two CMOs. You don't need two CTOs, et cetera. So that's, that's what I'd look at, yeah. And I do plenty of case studies in my MBA program about this. And I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry for the technical issues uh, we, we, we had today. Um, I'd like to say it won't happen again, but it happens at once a year or so, yeah. 
All right. Um, uh, next up, uh, Matt Lacus, who's my chief creative officer, who is the genius behind the videography stuff here. Uh, he says, looking good. Thank you, brother. Good to have you. Uh, Matt's a partner of my firm. Um, and without Matt, none of this would happen. And just so you know, um, all the technical issues were not Matt's issue. It was my problem because um, I messed up the computer somehow. But these cameras, Matt, look great. And thank you, brother. I, I appreciate it. And I love you, man. Your family. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Brian uh, wrote, uh, why does it look like your shelf is floating uh, in space? Yeah. Well, Matt Lacoose, my chief creative officer, he's actually, his arm's getting tired because he's, he's up in the rafters holding it down. Matt, I noticed it shaked a little bit a, a second ago. Don't let that happen again, okay? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, so, so what I've done actually is um, I, I have um, Matt set up this studio and he put poles on the ceiling. It's awesome. Um, it, and so um, I'm hanging it from, from a pole. Uh, up top. I thought I'd try something different. And last week, last week, uh, one, one of my students gave me great advice. Um, he, he said, Chris, it's looking a little bit bland in the background. Can you do something about it? And so, you know, you guys are the customer, you're the student. So I, I, I listened. Yeah. All right. All right. Next up, uh, uh, Kumaresan wrote, um, how do I find content uh, for a blog? Yeah. So I, I would say that uh, the way you become a thought leader and take your career to the next level is you think like a thought leader. It's like the Rodin sculpture, I think, therefore I am. And what you have to do is you have to be a prolific writer and vlogger of whatever it is you're most passionate about. And so for me, it's business education. So number one, you gotta love doing it, otherwise you won't be able to do a half decent job at it. Then what I would do is I'd be consistent. Like for me, for example, I'm consistently bad but I vlog every single day. And I used to write an article every single week um, on, on LinkedIn. And what I actually did uh, was um, eventually I, I turned all of that, all of my, my LinkedIn posts, give me a second guys, sorry. Uh, all my LinkedIn posts uh, into a book. And you can always go to haroonventures.com slash write book, all lowercase, and download my free book template. It's, it's six inches by nine inches. So you write once a week on LinkedIn and you do it for two years. And after two years, you've got just over a hundred chapters for your book. And I repurpose everything. And so the, the, the most effective way to do all the social media stuff uh, is to repurpose like, like Nintendo does. They repurpose all their older video games on new platforms. It's a way to work smarter, not harder. So for example, this weekly webcast you're, you're watching, and I'm sorry for the technical issues earlier, but this weekly webcast gets repurposed uh, immediately uh, into seven vlogs for the week, as well as a bunch of tweets, LinkedIn posts, uh, Instagram posts, et cetera. Um, so the name of the game is repurposing content, but you gotta, you gotta do what you love doing. And eventually when you think like a thought leader, uh, journalists, customers, Companies might want to hire you, et cetera, will reach out to you over LinkedIn. I teach you how to be a prolific writer and how to write good and stuff uh, in my MBA program. Yeah. Next question is, how do you stop procrastinating? Yeah. So the, the best thing I recommend doing is to set up uh, a daily schedule. And in my MBA program, uh, in the first couple classes, I provide you with a daily uh, a scheduler uh, that will help you be 10 times more productive. I promise you it works. Um, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. You can stay busy using my daily template. Uh, it works. And if anybody here, uh, a bunch of people here are taking the program right now, 
Uh, if you can provide some feedback on how you use that daily scheduler, uh, that'd be very helpful for myself and more importantly for Kumaresan who asked the question here. Okay, uh, next up, uh, Kumaresan said, uh, can you make uh, courses in Tamil for Tamil people? Yeah, so I, my courses uh, are, right now they're in 12 languages, but, and, and they're all over the world. I have a, over 2 million uh, people have taken my courses or over a million have taken at least a couple of my courses, so to speak. And there's auto um, captions that have been added to almost all of them now, uh, including Tamil as well. So you can check that out. Go to uh, Udemy has done it as well uh, on their website for all my courses. Thank you. All right, next up, Andreas said, uh, how do you manage time, a job, a family, entrepreneurship, reading hours, learning hours, etc." Yeah, it all comes down to the daily scheduling. And so before I go to bed at night, I set my schedule for the next day. And I have a template and many templates for you in my MBA program to teach you how to do this to become much more productive, right? The more busy you are, the more stuff you get done. You know what it's like, like when, you, when you're on vacation or you take a couple of weeks off, for some reason you, you couldn't find time to exercise. It's because you're not staying busy. My template process will help you stay busy and get a lot more done, I promise you. Check out my MBA program or my courses. If it doesn't work for you with my methodology, there's a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee. All right. All right, next next up, and I'm so sorry about the problems today, guys. And thank you so much for, for sticking with me. We have 27 concurrent viewers after all this. So thank you. God bless you. All right, next up, uh, uh, Sushant wrote, uh, Hey, Chris, I wanted to know if you plan to create any course on product management and digital analytics, as this is something more startups are coming up with as job openings in India. Thanks in advance. You're, mo you're most welcome. Yes. Yes. So what I'm doing um, next year is I'm adding several new courses and content to my MBA program. Uh, I'm going down the, the path of business analytics and artificial intelligence and programming. Yes, I'm going to be teaching programming as well. Yeah. I used to be a coder back in the 90s. I did a lot of object-oriented programming. I even used COBOL. That's how old I am, 8 million years ago. But I'm going to be adding that. And um, what I'm also doing is I'm adding my, uh, I'm going to be releasing my complete options course very, very soon. And there's unbelievable analytics I built into it. In fact, there are several hundred thousand complex formulas I've added uh, to a number of spreadsheets that I hope you all enjoy. And I hope it makes you a better investor when it comes to options, uh, long, shorts, etc. Yeah, I'm going down that analytics path though. All right, next up, Manas, how are you? Uh, Manas is from India. Uh, he said, good morning, my, my dear mentor. Hope all is well. The shirt is so cool. Thank you. Manas, I, I was thinking of you, brother, because I, I, I did this. I, I made it look a little bit more interesting for you because I remember your comment last week. So I'm going to start changing the backdrop a little bit more. And I listen closely to my students too. Like, for example, uh, earlier this year, um, I got complaints about, number one, I mentioned my networking book too much, so I've stopped doing that as much. Number two, people said, Chris, you sound tired. And so what I did was I got rid of a chair. There's no chair in my office. I'm standing on my treadmill. I got my 20,000 steps in a day on this treadmill. Uh, but I do list to my, my, my students. Thank you. Uh, and, and then Manas wrote, the, the, the shirt is so cool. The background is back. Yes. Uh, you said it looks cool. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback. I did it because of you. Uh, you wrote, my, my mentor, uh, Udemy changed its coupon policy coming in action uh, from the 28th of October. Uh, have you noticed that? Yeah, I got an email about it, like, like all teachers have. Um, I haven't really looked into it too much, although I do know that um, they're making several other improvements uh, that are going to make it easier to send coupons to multiple courses at the same time. Yeah. 
All right, Sarthik said, hello, Chris. Sarthik, I hope you're doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you. Okay, uh, then we got uh, Satyapal wrote, is the CFA important to become a fund or hedge manager in MBA? Should I do finance uh, or the or the for the MBA? Yeah. So what I would say, the CFA, if 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 people out there don't know what it is, it stands for Certified Financial um, um, a, a Certified Financial Analyst, and it takes three years to get that designation. You write three exams uh, at night uh, over three years, and you study a lot. Um, if you want to do it, and I've done level one years ago, um, I recommend going to eBay and do a search on Schweizer CFA books. Cost you 30 bucks for a small number of books to learn everything instead of paying $500 for the textbooks, which is a waste of money. I certainly respect the CFA a lot more than most traditional MBA schools. Yeah. And so does Wall Street. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, ne next up, uh, and I teach all that CFA stuff in my MBA program as well. And now level two for the CFA, the second year, they do a lot more options stuff. And it's something I'm going to be teaching very, very soon as well coming out uh, soon, before Black Friday, my, my options course. And if you're in my MBA program, it's going to be added to class number 89 as like a 30-hour elective. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, Brian uh, said, um, do we know factually that Starlink uh, will be an IPO? Not yet. The way you can tell if a company is going public is if you go to sec.gov and you do a search on the company name, and you see what's called an S1 filing. And when they publish the S1 filing, which is just a book that lists all the stuff about the company, risks, financials, management, et cetera. When you see that S1 filing drop, okay, when it, when it hits sec.gov, then you know within six months that company is probably gonna be going public, okay? Uh, and sometimes you'll, you'll hear that the media break the news early. And for some reason, the media is allowed to get access to insider information and not get penalized. And the way they do it is they'll say something like this. According to people familiar with the matter, Starlink is doing an IPO soon. That sort of thing. And more often than not, they're right. Now, the best sources for that sort of thing are the Wall Street Journal, especially their Heard on the Street column. The FT is great as well. Bloomberg is excellent as well. Yeah. And these journalists have a reputation as well, so they can't just spin stories or, 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 or publish news that's not going to be factual. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, uh, Manas wrote, my mentor, Chris, please. Uh, did you get the shirt from the company? Uh, looks nice on you, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I, I did. They they, uh, they they mailed it to me. They're very nice to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, hey, Kevin, how are you? Kevin's one of my MBA students. Uh, he said, good day, Chris. Uh, do you recommend buying the Bitcoin ETF now? or waiting 60 days? Uh, and are we in the final stage of the bull market? A couple questions there, yeah. So Bitcoin's at an all-time high, so I never buy anything at an all-time high. And the catalyst for it being an all-time high is because of this ETF. If you wanna learn more about ETFs, go to etfdb.com, that's etfdatabase.com, where you can learn about thousands of different ETFs. Don't ever buy mutual funds because they're a scam and the fees are ridiculously high buy ETFs instead. The fees are lower and they outperform mutual funds. I would wait on Bitcoin because at an all-time high. Yeah. All right. Uh, in terms of are we in the final stage uh, of the bull market, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And I remember years ago, I worked at a hedge fund. It was the largest tech hedge fund in the world. It was called Pequot. And Art Sandberg um, was 
the founder of the company, great guy, God bless me, passed away recently. But I remember years ago, I was pitching short ideas to him on Lennar, ticker L-E-N, and KBH, which they're both home builders. And this was back in 06. And he said, what's your thesis? I said, well, they're overvalued. Uh, and, you know, the real estate market's going to crash eventually. And he stopped me very nicely, grandfatherly. And he said this. He said, son, I've learned in my many years of investing never to stand in the way of insanity. Markets peak, markets trough. You can't time it. It's impossible. And that's why you have to be a very, very long-term investor. You got to think 5, 10, 15 years out um, so you can stomach the volatility. And unlike most people, when stocks go on sale, you'll buy more instead of the opposite. As Warren Buffett said, the New York Stock Exchange is the only store in the world where consumers sell stuff when it goes on sale. It's impossible to call these peaks or troughs. And usually what causes a market to pull back materially is something called a black swan, which is the title of a great book by Nassim Taylor. And a black swan is a rare event. You don't see very many of them. And what happens is a black swan of an event causes the market to pull back. It can be something like 9-11 uh, or COVID, uh, etc. And that might be what causes the market to pull back. It might be something due to geopolitical concerns between Beijing and, and D.C., whatever. Um, so we just don't know at this point what's going to make the market pull back. You can't time it. You just got to be a long-term investor. Okay, uh, next up, hey, Hisham, how are you? Hisham used to work with me. He was one of my students uh, when I taught in university here uh, 8 million years ago. Great guy, great guy. He, he took some time off, went to Pakistan, uh, did some charity work. He now works at Amazon. I miss you, brother. I hope you're doing well. So Hisham wrote, good morning, Chris. Hope all's well. Likewise, brother. Uh, what GRE prep uh, would you recommend? Thanks, yeah. So the, the only prep courses I would recommend are the ones that are, whether it's the GMAT, the MCAT, the LSAT, or GRE, the only prep courses I'd ever recommend are made by Princeton Review. Okay, Princeton Review is owned by uh, Kaplan, which is owned by the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos now. Yeah, um, but I would take those courses. So Princeton Review. And when I took the GMAT 8 million years ago, I learned so much from the Princeton Review. And I did really, really well in the GMAT. And I'm a, I suck at test taking. I'm not a smart guy. But the reason I did well is because the GMAT like all these stupid tests, they're not intelligence tests at all. They're just, how good are you at preparing for the little hacks here and there? So let me teach everybody really quickly a way to ace all of your multiple choice tests, okay? Without study. Okay, here we go. And what I'm about to say is gonna shock you. But in order to do well on a test, a multiple choice test, you gotta think like a lawyer. Why? Because lawyers can test everything. They argue about everything. For example, this is for my air conditioning. Okay. If one of the questions was, was this, what is the color of this air conditioning remote control? If the four answers are, it's always white. Okay. The other one is, it's always beige. The other one is, it's never red. And the other one is, um, uh, it's, 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 could be a, a shade of white. The answer that's correct is it could be the shade of white. The question, uh, the answer of it's always white is wrong because if you look closely, it might be a little bit beige. The answer of it's always beige might be wrong because it might look white if you look closely. 
So the answer that's correct more often than not on these multiple choice questions are the wishy-washy ones. And I learned this from the Princeton Review. So the words always and never in an answer when it comes to multiple choice, that's never the correct answer. The correct answer are the wishy-washy ones. Like it could be, or it might be, or on many occasions. And so I've gotten to the point where I can answer most multiple choice questions correctly without reading the question. Anybody can do it. Think like a lawyer. Eliminate any answers that, that's got the word always or never. And the answers that are usually correct are the ones that are wishy-washy, that contain may or it could be or on many occasions, that sort of thing. Think like a lawyer. And this is the only time you should think like a lawyer. And you'll do well in tests. Unless you're a civil rights lawyer, then I love you. All right, next up, uh, Sarlik said, uh, uh, Stuart, uh, are you telling someone buy during VIX? Yeah, I'm going to talk a lot about the VIX in my upcoming options course coming out soon. Yeah. The VIX is the one telltale signal on when to back up the truck and buy stocks or vice versa. And I'll teach you about that in the very first lesson in my upcoming complete options course. And if you're watch, if you're in the MBA program, it'll be added to class 89. Okay. All right, next up, Manas said, the cryptocurrency course is too good. Thank you. It's like a course ahead of its time. Your skills are so phenomenal. Thank you, brother. Your skills are so phenomenal that, that you can teach such complicated topics with ease and fun. That's uh, raw, genuine talent. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. It came from many years of failure. Yeah, yeah. But the way I like to teach is uh, I like to use a lot of props. And so when I was at Columbia doing my MBA in finance 8 million years ago, uh, I humbly got the top grade in my class uh, in the options course I took. And I didn't really get it. I kind of memorized stuff. It was, it was bad the way I learned it. So I'm going to be teaching it in a much more visual way, brick by brick, so that by the end of my complete options course, it'll be second nature. It'll be easy to understand. And you'll, you'll have this incredible aha moment. And you'll understand why people make a fortune when it comes to options. Yeah. And I'm going to be using a lot of other props too. Uh, a lot of Coca-Cola props. That's one share of Coca-Cola right there. And whenever you buy an option, it's like buying a stock sometimes if it's a call. Except with a stock, you get to own one share. But with an option, if you buy a call, it acts like 100 shares. So you can make a lot of money uh, if done right. And I'll teach you how to do it right as well. Yeah. Okay. All right, next up. And I'm trying to fix my, my, my posture. So what, what I'm wearing is, um, I'm wearing this thing here. Uh, it, it, it's called Upright Go. And it's made by this awesome um, Israeli company. And um, it's 60 bucks on Amazon. And it, it vibrates whenever my posture is not great. I'm trying to improve it. And yes, you can improve your posture. And you'll notice here at the side angle, my posture is not that great. So whenever I lean over slightly, this thing buzzes. And the way it works, is um, it's, it's Bluetooth based and it syncs with your iPhone or Android handset. And so um, you set it up so that if you lean over a certain, uh, you lean over for more than a couple seconds, uh, this will start buzzing. Yeah, so you can see here, see I'm leaning over in this? Watch this, see? Yeah, it, it tracks it in real time. Yeah, and it buzzes. It's not painful though, yeah. So anyway, trying to push the goalpost, oot, uh, and improve my, my, my posture. One of my many problems. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, ne next up, a PM wrote, uh, salutations, Mr. Haroon. Chris, please. Uh, I have a, a couple of questions. Sure. First, 
If a person was interested in buying a company such as Universal Studios or Sony Entertainment, uh, how they, would they acquire the company? Yeah, yeah. So the way it works is with most big companies, they hire investment bankers. Okay, so for example, um, let's say uh, Google. Let's say Google wanted to buy Snapchat. Or actually, I'll use a real example. According to people familiar with the matter, PayPal is in late stage discussions to buy Pinterest. For four, and their market cap's $40 billion. It's moronic. It makes no sense. But so if PayPal wants to buy Pinterest, it's really complicated to do themselves. So it's kind of like when you, go to, uh, when you go to trial, you hire lawyers to represent you. And so PayPal hired investment bankers, Goldman Sachs, for example, to do all the paperwork and to basically approach Pinterest and say, hey, PayPal wants to buy you. Are you interested? We're going to give you a 30% premium to your stock price right now. Uh, do you want to sell? So that's how it works. And then uh, uh, PayPal uh, has their own bankers and Pinterest has their own other investment bankers. Say it's Morgan Stanley. And so the Goldman Sachs bankers speak on behalf of PayPal and the Morgan Stanley investment bankers speak on behalf of, of Pinterest and they negotiate a deal and then it gets done and they take a, a massive fee. It's just the way it works. Yeah. All right. Uh, but you got to also consider uh, whether antitrust would allow a deal to go through. Now, Amazon would have made many more media acquisitions, but they're not doing it because they know that the government will block a lot of deals because they're just too powerful. And Amazon is the only massive company that doesn't use many investment bankers. They have their own M&A department. Very rare. Okay. Uh, and then I, I see a question uh, from Anas about um, the Udemy IPO. I, I can't comment on that, but I love you. Thank you. Okay, next up, uh, Sasha wrote, um, how's your business structured? How many employees do you have? Uh, what's your largest expense? Uh, thank you. Yeah. So I am... Um, the way I have it set up is I have it set up as an S corporation, so I don't have employees, right? For tax reasons, I set it up that way. Um, I do have profit sharing, um, and I do have a, a partner in the firm. It's Matt Lacuse, and I have a, a wonderful company in Canada that does my sales and marketing, and they get a certain percentage as well, a decent percent, right? So it's a meritocracy. We all eat what we kill, so to speak. That sounded harsh, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I have contractors all over the place as well. Yeah. yeah, I outsource everything. But my team is amazing. And let me tell you about my team. They're, they're great. Really quickly here. So I've got Matt, Matt Lacuse, who's uh, been with me since day one. He's amazing. I'm only saying this because I know you're watching now, Matt. Just kidding. Uh, so Matt's been with me uh, since day one. Uh, and Matt used to be, uh, uh, he used to run a big golf company as well. He's a scratch golfer. He taught my kid golf. I met him within 30 seconds. I was like, oh my God, I got, I got to work with this guy. Right. So he's a partner. He's been with me since day one. Um, I've also got uh, Doug, uh, who, who lives uh, in Canada, uh, and he helps us with a lot of tech stuff. He's awesome. Uh, in addition, uh, I've got a marketing team, uh, Joe and Joey uh, and Lionel and Cassandra, uh, and they all work together. They're great. They're also based in Canada. In fact, uh, Joe and Joey were in town this week. I was meeting with them. It was, it was great to meet them. They're, they're, they're family. Uh, aside from that, um, I, I've also got uh, John Klee. And John Klee, I met on this webcast in week number 10. He's based in Rochester. He helps me out a lot as well. He's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And I know I'm probably missing people. And I hope I've named everybody. 
There's a couple other people I outsource stuff to. Oh, Jean Marco uh, in Canada who does my vlogs as well. He's great. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a great team, and, and without them, none of this would would be possible. Yeah, and I outsource a lot more stuff to other people uh, as well. All right. Uh, and, but I automate a lot of stuff as well. So that's why we don't need as many employees to make this thing work. Yeah, sort of. All right. Uh, uh, next up, um, uh, PM wrote, um, if, if, if a person wanted to acquire an entertainment franchise series, likely owned by a company, such as Superman, Spider-Man, or Halo, uh, how would they acquire it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are not independent entities. They'd have to actually buy just the brand itself. So, for example, with if you want to buy the Sp Spider-Man franchise, franchise, uh, you'd have to actually approach Disney, who owns Marvel, and ask them if you can purchase that. There's no way they'd sell it. They might license it to you, but they wouldn't sell it. Uh, in terms of Halo, it, it's indirectly owned by a, a studio called Bungie, uh, which Microsoft exclusively does work with. Uh, so they'd have to approach uh, Bungie and Microsoft and ask them uh, as well. Yeah. All right. Um, Good morning, mighty men. How are you? Okay, and PM wrote also, can public domain properties help start uh, entertainment uh, businesses? Yeah, let me know what you mean by that in more detail, please. When it comes to the public domain um, and getting access to media for free, you can go to Wiki Commons. Okay, do a search on Wiki Commons and you can use any of their pictures royalty free. Yeah, read the fine print though. Next up, uh, Ganesh said, uh, hello, Chris. Hey, on previous weeks, you talked about the investment research, um, how to do that to get jobs in the field of finance. Where do you get the information for the qualitative and quantitative stuff? Yeah, I'm doing a special webcast uh, on November 3rd. I'm doing a bunch of webcasts coming up where I teach you all that. Uh, and if you're on my email list, you'll, you'll, you'll automatically get, uh, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get details in that event. If you want to get on my email list, uh, go to my website, haroonventures.com, and just download my, my ebook uh, from my homepage. Yeah. All right. Um, next question is What is your opinion of independent businesses and micro uh, nations? Yeah. I don't know what micro nations means, even. Um, independent businesses. Uh, well, yeah. You'd have to give me a little bit more details on that, please. But what I will say is when you start your own company, if it's successful, it's kind of like everything you buy costs you half as much. And the reason is because you get to write off a lot of stuff, right? So, and make sure you have a good account like I do. And I have a great tax lawyer as well. But if I were to buy a computer or a camera um, for say $1,000, well, if I buy it through my company, then that decreases the amount of taxes I pay. Which is why it seems like you can get everything half price, so to speak. But of course you have to have, uh, you have to have, have massive revenue to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right, next up, uh, Sasha uh, wrote, uh, are angel investors accredited investors or do they use SPVs to fund startups? Yeah. So, and then you've got a couple more questions there. Yeah. It all depends. So. Whenever you get, whenever you start a hedge fund or a venture capital firm, for example, which I've done a couple times, in order to get investors to invest, they have to complete what are called subscription documents. And subscription documents, it's like ten or twenty pages of questions to make sure that they have a, a minimum net liquid net worth of a million dollars, for example. 
And also there's AML stuff as well, anti-money laundering stuff you have to complete uh, post the Patriot Act, it was added. Um, so, and, and those subscription documents will be able to tell whether you are or are not an accredited investor. Not all angel investors are accredited because not all of them have a high uh, liquid net worth. Uh, in terms of, uh, do they use SPVs to fund startups? Yeah, so SPV stands for Special Purpose Vehicle. And the way it works in the venture capital industry is, is as follows. If you invest in a venture capital fund, what happens is you're paying a 2% annual fee and a 20% incentive fee, meaning the venture capital firm gets to keep 20% of the profits. Now, you pay two in 20 because the venture capital firm creates a diversified portfolio of many companies they invest in. If a venture capital firm wants to do a massive deal and they want to raise money for just a single company, then they'll do what's called an SPV, which is a special purpose vehicle. And the fees will be lower because you're just investing in one company. So instead of being 2 and 20, the fees, it'll be 1% and 10%. And so basically, uh, and I've done this in the past as well uh, with Palantir years ago when I worked in venture capital. So I raised a bunch of money and I set up a special purpose vehicle for people that wanted to invest in Palantir. And the fees were 1 in 10, meaning a 1% annual management fee and a 10% incentive fee. And when Palantir went public, then that's when we got the the incentive. Yeah. Okay, I'm not an investor in Palantir right now. Only when it was private. Okay, next up, uh, Mighty Men uh, wrote, uh, does your program teach how to invest in foreign exchange markets? Yeah. I talk about a lot of foreign markets. I do talk about FX. Um, I do talk about uh, George Soros as well and how he broke the Bank of England and made a billion dollars in one day shorting uh, the pound. Uh, I talk about how he also did it in Thailand when he broke the Thai bot and made billions uh, as well. Um, so I do a lot of case studies, uh, but I don't recommend investing uh, in currencies itself because the reason why currencies go up and down is because of geopolitical events that we just can't forecast. You know, like saber rattling uh, between uh, DC, for example, and Beijing or between Moscow and DC, or DC, et cetera, yeah. Okay, um, uh, but, but I, I do talk a lot about, about hedging. All right, give me one second, guys, sorry. Okay, uh, next up, E. Pronto, who's from Toronto, I remember that. Uh, that's where I'm from, wrote, good morning, Chris, good morning to you too. I hope all is well, likewise. I just wanted to share with your audience Netflix show called Startup. It gives a great perspective on crypto startups uh, in different stages, starting with finding angel investors. Thank you. And I've, I've checked it out as well. It's entertaining. Thanks. I'm almost done the Squid Games, man. I'm on episode five or six now. And they're long episodes, man. It's not like a half hour long. They're like an hour each. Uh, it, it's amazing. It, it's incredible. And that franchise, Squid Games has added more than $1 billion to the market cap uh, of, of Netflix as well. It's incredible. It's an overnight success. Amazing. All right. Although, I don't know if Sony's that happy, man, because all the bad dudes in that show Squid Games, their masks look like one of the Sony characters from their controllers, the triangle, square, circle, and stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, Next up, a PM wrote, have you sponsored or invested in people and or startups? Yeah, I've invested in tons of startups, yeah. But I have a policy 
um, with my company. I don't do it in my students' uh, startups. Yeah, although I do promote my students a lot, and I'll continue to do that on my weekly webcast over time with their businesses. Uh, but it, it's a conflict of interest, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Tomas wrote, uh, any comments on Baito, uh, Asia, China in the long run? Yeah, I don't don't really have any strong thoughts there. Sorry. Uh, and then uh, what do you, can you comment on Tesla stock value? Do you think it's expensive? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's expensive, but expensive for a reason. And there's two camps of investors. There's growth investors and value investors. Value investors are like Warren Buffett. They like to buy stuff that's cheap, but not growing fast. Growth investors are people like me that like to buy expensive stocks that are growing fast. And so is Tesla expensive? Well, it's all relative. It's expensive on this year's earnings and next year's earnings. But I don't give a damn about this year's earnings or next year's earnings. I care about earnings in 10 or 15 years. And in my MBA program, I teach you how to value companies based on your earnings estimates in 10 or 15 years. It's the best way to invest. Because if you invest that way, Everyone is worried that certain stocks are 100 times earnings are expensive on this year's earnings and next year's earnings. But if you do your own research and I teach you how, then in your mind, you think a stock like that is worth only, it's, it's only valued at three or four times earnings based on your 10-year earnings estimates. I go into that in much more detail in my MBA program. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, next up, uh, uh, Alu Dotan, how are you? Wrote, thank you, Prof. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. First time I've seen you. I hope you join us again. Thanks. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Mighty Man uh, wrote, uh, do you teach how to trade? Oh, same question you posted before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sharif said, um, we can read your lips, Chris. Uh, no, no worries. Oh, thank you. That's when I was having technical issues before. I was trying to do my best um, uh, Marcel Marceau I I impression. Yeah. And by the way, that guy was a hero, Mar Marcel Marceau. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, during during World War II, he's one of the freedom fighters in, in Europe. He was awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Andrew wrote, uh, thanks so much for all the info, Chris. Uh, I graduated from your MBA program four months ago. Congratulations. I've since gotten a job. Awesome. And started an app because of your influence. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Music to my ears. Yeah. Um, and if my students aren't successful, then I've failed. I'm not going to fail. Okay. And Andrew wrote, uh, many, many thanks to you. And I hope to meet you one day. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and at some point, I'm going to be doing an annual alumni event as well uh, for, uh, for silver students all over the world. I'm, I'm going to travel all over the world and, and do these mini meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do what I'm doing for the road. Okay. And thank you, everybody, for your nice comments here about the technical issues and being patient. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, next up, uh, Manas wrote, my mentor, Clubhouse has updated and now music has been added to it. Do you think uh, this will give Clubhouse the edge uh, over the competition? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. I think it's kind of on the decline. It might be MySpaced. Uh, and then Patrick wrote, uh, thank you for the explanation, sir. You're, you're most welcome. And thank you all for your patience with me today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then President Scroob. President Scroob, how are you? First time seeing you on the call. I hope you join us again. President Scroob wrote, I'm so excited for the options course. Thank you. So, so am I. I can't wait till it comes out. 
I have so many props. I even go into detail on futures markets as well. And I discuss how big companies, uh, they use future markets in order to buy grain. Um, and so, and I have this awful, I have to go there. It's terrible dad humor. Okay. Not really politically correct, but I don't care. Here I go. So this is here an example of a company, General Mills, ticker GIS, uh, that uses a future mark, futures market to, to lock in the price of grain. And many years ago, this is from 2012. Thank you, eBay. This is from 2012. Michael Phelps, who won 8 million gold medals, was on the cover of Wheaties. And what happened was he actually got caught uh, doing uh, marijuana, um, which is now legal. And so Wheaties got him off the box. And so I think they should bring him back and put him on the box, except this time they should say, winners don't do drugs. Champions do. Sorry. Awful dad humor. That, that was the worst. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's getting chilly in here, man. Give, give me one second. All right. Okay. I'm going to turn off the AC. All right. Next up, Mode wrote, good morning, Chris. Good morning to you, too. Good, good to see you. Kumaresan wrote, uh, sir, Chris, please. Uh, where do I learn Indian stock markets from scratch? Yeah, um, you can take uh, take my, my MBA program or any of my courses because I do teach you all that stuff as well. Um, I've invested a lot in India, um, not just the Sensex, which for those of you not familiar with the Sensex, it's like the S&P 500 for India. But I've also invested in a lot of cyclical companies there, Crompton and Greaves, which is an energy construction uh, engineering company. I invested in Satyam, Infosys, Wipro, et cetera. And so all the stuff I teach in my MBA program is applicable globally because I've invested in most major markets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Kumaresan wrote, I'm reading Steve Jobs' biography. I'm amazed by his attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I actually listened to the Walter Isaacson, uh, Steve Jobs' book on, on Audible. Okay. Now, in terms of what book I'm, and it's excellent, by the way, uh, Isaacson's the best. In terms of what book I'm currently reading or audibling, so it's a great book called This Is How They Tell Us The World Ends. It's fantastic. Uh, it's not negative. I know it sounds negative, but it's not. It's about technology uh, and people spying on us with technology and especially the Russian government, um, etc. And we got to be careful, man, because we have all these IoT or Internet of Things devices in our house. And if you don't have a firewall set up, um, you got to be careful. People will be monitoring you. And, and these things, I know it sounds crazy, but for more than a decade now, people can listen to you when this thing is even off. I know that sounds messed up, but just be careful with, with these things, please. Uh, and, and get a VPN. I have one at home here. And if your company gives you this, get another one if you have the budget. It looks just like it as, as well. All right. And it's only a matter of time until somebody figures out how to hack into these things and take videos of you. So just, just be careful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in terms of what books to listen to on Audible, that I just showed you the one I'm, I'm doing right now. Uh, I think anything Gary Vaynerchuk uh, writes is worth listening to. He's great. He's, he, he's the real deal. Um, take advice on social media from him and not me. My dad taught me when I was younger. He said, Chris, only take advice from successful people. So listen to Gary V's audiobooks. He's great. Yeah. 
And I, I usually only like to listen to audiobooks that are actually read by the, the writer. And I listen to plenty of autobiographies as well. So whoever your heroes are in business, I want you to listen to their autobiographies if they have them. Yeah. Because what happens is very successful people, they got to where they are because they help other people on many occasions. And what happens is when they get a lot of success, they write a book and they share their blueprint for success so you don't have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, next up, uh, Sushant wrote, uh, hey Chris, uh, any free software or a way to do market research, uh, consumer analysis, competitive analysis for a startup or a small business to prepare reports without hiring high cost consulting firms. Thanks in advance. Yeah. So in my MBA program, I provide you with an insanely high number uh, of templates, okay, or hours in your quiver, so to speak, or tools in your toolbox. So you can do a ton of investment research. Yeah. I provide you with all the tools. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, hey, Fred, how are you? Fred Mendoza. He's uh, one of my platinum students this year. Great guy. He's an expert in options, and he's been, been helping me a lot with my upcoming options course as well. Uh, good dude. He lives uh, in, uh, uh, in, in the D.C. area. Great guy. My hair's getting a little messier, man. I feel like that guy from The Sopranos. You know that guy that, that looks like this with the hair slicked back? Yeah. He's probably had a haircut soon, man. Good to see you, Fred. All right, next up, I got Harsh, who wrote, uh, Chris, how are you? I'm always great, thank you. I hope you're doing well as well. Um, and then Harsh wrote, please make a course on consulting and how to start a consulting company. Sure, yeah, yeah. I used to have one on, on Udemy uh, years ago, but I actually took it down because the reviews were awful and uh, it just wasn't fair uh, to leave it up there. But in my MBA program, I actually do teach you about a ton of consulting frameworks that you can use to analyze any company, including the SWOT analysis, the Boston Consulting Group uh, Matrix, the Five Forces Model, and many other frameworks I created for you. And consulting firms, and I used to work at Accenture for four years, or Accenture, uh, back in the 90s. Consulting firms, what they do is they have a bunch of templates, right? It might be programming templates or qualitative templates, uh, like the SWOT analysis. And they use those templates to analyze businesses. And you can use those templates during interviews as well as a crutch to fall back on. So for example, if somebody asks you a business question and they want you to analyze something, what you can do is you can say, sure, let me analyze this from a SWOT perspective. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I'll kick it off with the strengths. The strengths of the companies are blah, blah, blah. Moving on to the weaknesses are blah, blah, blah. The opportunities, lastly, are threats. And by using those transition words, like moving on to, in terms of, and by using a framework like that, it buys you time to think of the answer and it makes you look like you have a structured approach uh, as well, which a lot of consulting firms do. In my MBA program, I provide you with a massive amount of templates, ones I've designed as well. Yeah. And there's over 100,000 consulting firms in the United States, right? It's a very fragmented industry. I teach you all that stuff in the program. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, next up, Harsh wrote, uh, how do you build uh, self-discipline? Yeah, so I, I would think of everything in terms of risk reward, or as Tony Robbins says, and I've met him, he invests in one of my companies, great guy, by the way, or as Tony Robbins says, pain and pleasure. So when it comes to self-discipline, I want you to narrow everything down, like Tony Robbins says, uh, to pain and pleasure. You know, for, for example, um, if I drink, uh, this this glass of wine or the, do this shot, whatever it is, or, or 
smoke marijuana, something awful like that. And I don't think it should be legal except for medicinal purposes. Sorry. Uh, but you got to tell yourself this. If I do that, it'll give me this much pleasure, but it'll give me this much pain. And if you do that with, with alcohol, drugs, food, for example, um, in the long run, you'll be in much better shape because it makes you long-term focused. And the longer the view, the wiser the intention. You know, if, if, if I eat this Krispy Kreme donut, uh, I'll get this much pleasure, but this much pain in the long run. Everything is risk versus reward. Kind of like whenever I invest in stocks, I always look at the upside, the reward versus the risk. Obviously, the, the, the reward has to be higher than the risk in order for it to make sense. Yeah. And that's how you develop self-discipline. You also develop self-discipline uh, by creating a daily schedule for the week, at least, not the weekends. And I teach you that in self-discipline and much, much more in the personal growth part of my MBA program. Yeah. We, we, we went back to two cameras here because I'm about to start recording my options course and we're using multiple angles uh, as well. And you always wanna use multiple angles when you're recording a course in case you make a mistake. So I'm gonna make a mistake. I pretend I'm teaching and I show you what, what I mean by this. So the best way to invest in options is you make sure you look at the stock. Oh, damn it. Then you switch over. You make sure you look at the stock or the option or whatever you're getting at, right? And then what happens is my guy, Matt, Matt Lacus, my chief creative officer and, and one of my best friends, uh, he'll, he'll do the edit as well. I messed up the mess up there. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. All right, next up, Sadiq wrote, hey, Chris, hey, man, how are you? I'm always great, thank you. You said no question today, just came to say hi. Thank you, Sadiq, great, great to see you, dude. Thank you. Okay, uh, Mighty Men is next, who wrote, uh, I purchased three of your courses and I love them. Thank you, I appreciate that, thank you. Okay, cool. And, and next week, we're releasing a brand new state-of-the-art website. Uh, it is unbelievable. And hats off to Lionel and Joey for putting it together. I can't wait to show it all to you guys. I'm tempted to show you the beta right now, but they'll get pissed off at me. Yeah. I've got the best people working with me. Rawlings, how are you? Rawlings is from Nigeria. He's one of my amazing MBA students. And he recently networked with Kemi, one of my other amazing Nigerian students who lives in Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa is the capital of my, my beloved country, and Ottawa, Ottawa means meeting place. Yeah. Unlike Toronto. So Toronto, but I got to do this. I'm so sorry. But the way they came up with the name of Toronto, which is where I'm from, is a bunch of British soldiers. You know, they came to Canada hundreds of years ago, and they were walking, and they, fell, they, they walked into a tar pit. And one of the Brits said, look, Toronto. Okay. I am convinced if you have a British accent, you, you're smarter than me because you speak gooder than me. Yeah. All right. So Rawlings said, uh, how are you today? I'm awesome. Thanks. I hope you're doing well, brother. I just came in to say hello to the HEV family. Hello to you as well. All right. Mr. Invisible wrote, hey, Chris, uh, hope you're well. Likewise. What do you think about uh, great uh, resignation? I think people will prefer working from home right now and more flexible time, uh, and most companies uh, are still making money. Yeah, well, I think what COVID has proved to the entire world uh, is that if you work in the services business, you can work from home, or even development business, right? Manufacturing, obviously, you can't. 
but there's no reason you have to go to the office five days a week. In fact, if, if uh, COVID or if work from home was invented before office buildings, would we still go to offices? Not as often. And the whole process is moronic. You know, you commute two hours a day, uh, spend a lot of time getting ready to leave the house. You drive a car, which is bad for the environment. Those two hours you're wasting hurts your health, hurts your family life, etc. So I think the whole notion of commuting every day to go to the office is moronic. Uh, I think maybe you, you can do occasional meetings once a month or so uh, at an office. And you can save a lot of money as well doing that. And it's better for the environment and your family, etc. Yeah. So, and a lot of people actually are not going back to work. It's interesting. I had this incredible woman named Liz, Linda Nazareth, uh, who's a writer for the Global Mail in Canada. I had her on my webcast a couple months ago. And she told me about this concept called YOLO. It's you only live once, Y-O-L-O. And so there's this whole new theme of people thinking to themselves, you only live once given COVID and the health scares. I'm not going to go back to work. I'm going to work online. You know, I'm going to go to upwork.com or fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And I'm going to start doing online work, you know, online gigs. Um, I'm not going back to the office ever again. A lot of people are doing that. A lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and as awful as COVID has been, it's terrible. But with crisis comes opportunity. And there's the opportunity for people to work from home and start their own companies. And, and my kids, my, my, my three boys, they're, they're back at, uh, they're all back at school now. Um, but they, uh, they, were, they, were, they had to actually stay home for over a year to learn. They're a bit older now. Um, uh, but you know what I'm going to put them up here. It's more important than, than a plant. Um, but I, I think a lot of kids are going to look back on this era and say to themselves, you know, COVID was, wasn't all that bad. It was, it was awful, obviously. But what happened was that was my opportunity to start um, my company. And, and my son, uh, Matthew, uh, he actually started, that looks good there. Uh, he actually started his own Twitch stream and he actually made a ton of money. He did really well. Yeah. When life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. And God bless you, Colin Powell. Yeah, yeah. yeah he passed away. He passed away from COVID complications, even though he got both shots. Uh, but his immunity was was compromised because of uh, yeah, cancer. God bless him. He'll be missed. Okay. Um, all right. Next up, Alfred uh, said, hey, sir, Chris, please. First time watching uh, your live chat. Uh, welcome, Alfred. And I hope you join us again. Okay. Uh, do you think the U.S. government will seize money in retirement funds to pay public debts? No, no. There, there's too many checks and balances in place in the United States uh, for that to happen. Yeah. And America is kind of, it's land of extremes. Uh, and a lot of the opinions piss me off. But sometimes I don't mind some of the opinions being extreme because it keeps the government in check, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Justin wrote, uh, what are your thoughts on creating an app as a way to start a, a, a business? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would say if, if you're going to do that, uh, do the freemium approach, right? Meaning uh, give it away to everybody for free. And then once you get a large number of subscribers, then figure out some sort of upsell or in-app purchase, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, and for those of you that don't have much tech experience, you can always go to upwork.com or fiverr.com and get somebody to create an app for you. It's actually not that expensive, yeah. But I think just surviving based on an app as the crux of your entire business model is problematic. Um, and the reason I say that is because 
there's really not that much innovation when it comes to apps and the top 10 apps that are sold or downloaded for free on the Google Store as well as on uh, on iTunes has been stagnant. It hasn't changed in a number of years. Yeah. I think an app should be used as part of your business model uh, for distribution, but not the only source. Yeah. Unless you raise a fortune from venture capital companies, and then you can just get big really fast and then monetize it later. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. It's all about subs. And nobody cares uh, in venture capital land about how good your app is. What they care about is the number of subscribers. And I'll give you an example. So uh, Evan Spiegel, uh, who started uh, Snapchat, um, he came to the Valley years ago, uh, where I live, the Bay Area, tried to raise money from venture capital firms. And he was explaining his business model. And the venture capitalists were like, I don't get it. Why would you take pictures of your kids and have them disappear? I don't wanna lose my pictures. And then a couple of years later, he came back to Silicon Valley and he said, uh, remember me, um, I'd like to raise money. I've got 6 million subscribers now to Snapchat. And those same venture capitalists were like, oh my God, that's the best business model ever. And so all that matters is the number of subscribers. Yeah. And you need a lot of money to be able to do that um, if, if you want to survive um, without generating revenue for years and years and years. Right. So you need capital to be able to grow your Snapchat, so to speak. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, uh, Satya Pal wrote, thank you, uh, sir, uh, for the knowledgeable information. Thank you. Chris, please. Thank you. My pleasure. Moving on to uh, Sadiq, um, uh, who, who wrote Satyam, uh, meaning it's an IT services consulting firm uh, in India. He wrote Satyam. It was definitely one of the most light companies and was growing really fast. However, the top management did what they shouldn't have, and Satyam has windled, uh, has winded up. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with uh, the recent developments with, with Satyam. Yeah. Uh, and then you wrote, although Infosys and WebPro are great Indian IT companies, they are. Yeah, yeah. I've invested in all of them o over the years. Yeah. Give me one sec. Okay. All right. Next up, uh, nice horse uh, uh, wrote, uh, hi Chris. Uh, can you tell me uh, what kinds of education levels people have that sign up for your courses? Uh, thank you. We have all walks of life. Um, we have people that uh, are doctors, uh, PhDs, uh, the occasional lawyer, which is okay because they're my students. Um, we have a lot of people that already have MBAs from top schools as well. And they humbly tell me that in the first month in my program, they learn way more stuff than they did in their entire $100,000 MBA program. And if you want, what you can do is just go to my website, haroonventures.com. And when you're at haroonventures.com, scroll down, you'll see a ton of testimonials uh, from, from students. Yeah. And you can even go to LinkedIn, just do an advanced search and find uh, graduates. Uh, I think we've got uh, close to 400 people graduated uh, that at least put, their, on their, put it on their LinkedIn profile. Uh, from the gold and platinum uh, version of the course and, and silver as well. And just reach out to any of them you want in any country and, and ask them for the negatives and the positives. Yeah. But again, go to my website, haroonventures.com to see uh, testimonials. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question, Sadiq wrote, what software are you using for, for streaming? Yeah, it's not very good apparently today. Uh, it's called Wirecast um, and you pay for it, but it's, identical, a free product you can all use called OBS. 
and OBS stands for Open Broadcasting Software. Yeah. Now, in order to do it, you need what's called a capture card to talk to your camera. Your camera can't just, you can't just plug HDMI in your computer and do it. You need a capture card to do it. And I'm happy to go into detail on which capture cards to get uh, if you're interested. Okay, and in my MBA program, I teach you how to use Wirecast as an elective. I teach you how to use OBS as well. I teach you how to use uh, OBS Streamlabs. And I also teach you how to use Twitch. Yes, I do a Twitch stream uh, in my, my MBA program. Yeah. And as new technologies are created uh, that are relevant to make you successful, I'll add them to the curriculum as well. And so with, 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 my, with my kids here, my three sons, uh, with, with my kids, um, you know, the, the way they communicate with their friends hasn't been invented yet, right, when they start working. Similarly, their jobs have probably not been invented yet either. And I mentioned that the bottom line is because things change so fast um, in business that I want this MBA program to always be up to date. And I will be teaching programming as part of it, as part of electives as well. Uh, I've done a ton of coding in my life and I love it. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a puzzle. All right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and we will be adding the metaverse to uh, the Haroon Education Ventures MBA program eventually. And some of you have heard, heard of the metaverse. And, and what the metaverse uh, means is, is basically, um, it means uh, internet 3.0. It basically means uh, a new way to communicate with each other over the internet, meaning uh, augmented reality and virtual reality. And it's something that Facebook is looking into big time. And Facebook bought Oculus back in 2012 because of that. And all the major tech companies own their own VR products or AR products as well. You know, Google owns uh, Magic Leap. Microsoft bought HoloLens. There's tons of them out there. And I think the next uh, paradigm shift, so to speak, when it comes to internet technologies, meaning the metaverse, is going to be virtual reality or augmented reality-based communication with each other. Kind of like World of Warcraft. And I will be adding that to my MBA program uh, as well. I'm a techie. I'm a programmer. I love that stuff. I'm going to push the envelope out. That's how we say it. It's not out Americans, it's oot, Canadian way, Canadian English rocks. But I'll be adding that eventually uh, any, anyway. Yeah. And Facebook, I think they're about to, to rename themselves uh, in the next couple of days or so, kind of like Google did uh, with uh, Alphabet. Yeah. I still don't trust Facebook. I don't care what their name is. Okay. Uh, sorry that wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I, don't, I don't know lately. I've been feeling just sad, uh, not depressed though. You wrote, uh, I started uh, having uh, nihilist thoughts lately. Feels like life, death, money doesn't matter anymore. I'm sorry you're feeling this way. Uh, Chris, did you hear uh, it, it? Let me just, before I read the next part, let me just talk about that. Okay. Um, so I find with myself that I actually get sad. Like I do have depression sometimes. I feel depressed sometimes. Yeah, I think we all do. Um, I, I find that if I don't exercise a lot, then I feel kind of sad. And so my, my, my version of Prozac is underneath my desk here, I've got this really cheap uh, treadmill. Um, and I take about 20,000 steps a day. And I do it while I work. And I've got this, this desk that, that moves up, up and down here. right? So, uh, and basically, I go 3.7 miles per hour all day long and it stops squeaking after a while i got wd-40 and i get all my work done this way as well and i wear my apple watch in my pocket because i can't it won't count steps if it's on my wrist 
and I get tons of steps in. I've taken close to 15 million steps in this room in the past couple of years or so. Alexa, what's 20,000 times 365 times two? 20,000 times 365 times two is 14.6 million. Almost 15 million steps, right? So that's what I do. I walk all day long, I work, and I get a ton done. And the reason why it works for me is because your brain is wired in such a way that if you treat this well, this works much better. And so I feel like I just woke up all day long in terms of my productivity. And in the first hour of every single day, we get the best, the most, most productive work done. And it's because you're fresh. And if you have a treadmill in your office like I do, then what happens is all day long, it feels like you just woke up and you're way more productive. And as a result of me having this treadmill here, I feel like I get 100 hours of work done within 10 hours every day. And I'm much more productive that way. Now, another thing I do from a biohacking perspective to try to stay healthy is I drink this much water every day. And on the side, and these are cheap, you can get it from Amazon. It's got the time of the day. Right, so here is 7 a.m., then 9, all the way up until 7 p.m. or so. And so what I do is, this helps me a lot because we are 60% water. Try it, it's amazing. It works incredibly well. I also biohack a lot. I drink bulletproof coffee. I'm sure some of the stuff I do is placebo-based. But this helps me with my cognitive abilities big time. And I put a, a one scoop of organic grass-fed butter in here as well. And people have been doing this for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Having butter in their tea or coffee actually tastes okay. And what it does, it gives you this incredible cognitive ability to think quickly. You are what you eat. And now that everybody's eating organic, you are what you eat eats. But here, every Sunday, I create seven of these, one for each day. And there are 12 big bushels of kale in this, okay, in all seven. And, and I have my own blender, obviously, juicer. I put raw ginger root. I put every antioxidant you could possibly think of uh, in here as well. I also take a, a ton of herbs and, and, and vitamins uh, every single day as well. I have my DNA sequence years ago. And I found out that there's a high probability that I'm going to get age-related macro generation one day in my life, which means your eyesight goes down which my grandfather had. And so you want to find out what illnesses people that are older than you in your extended family have had so that you can nip it in the butt, so to speak, so that it doesn't happen to you by taking vitamins or eating the right, uh, the, the right foods, drinking the right amount of liquid, exercise, etc. You know, it's like the movie Minority Report with Tom Cruise where they had the pre-crime group. The pre-crime group determine what crimes you're going to commit later in life. It's kind of silly. It's the same thing with, with diet. That's like the, the, the pre-crime or pre-death group, so to speak, to the extent that you can nip in the bud right now any illnesses you might get by hacking your nutrition. And so your, your question there, you mentioned that you're, you're starting to feel sad and depressed. I think if you alter your diet and you alter your exercise routine, you won't get depressed as quickly. It's true. 
and it might also be a reflection of who you hang out with. You know, if somebody brings you down, you know, get them out of your life. I don't care who they are. They don't deserve to be in your life. Okay. Uh, and Abhishek wrote, Chris, uh, did you hear India, uh, one sun, one world, one grid initiative will be uh, good to invest in Indian green energy stocks? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not aware of that policy, but I remember every single year I used to watch the State of the Union. Every January, the president of the United States would give a speech. And whatever initiatives they talked about were sectors I usually invested in, especially clean tech. Yeah. All right. I, I, I've not heard of that initiative in India. That's, that's awesome, though. Very cool. All right. Let me get a little bit of breakfast here. Okay. Uh, Sadiq said the Brits went everywhere. They named a, a couple cities in India as well. It's so interesting, dude, because when I go to England to visit, I go to a lot of towns there. I'm like, oh my God, we have the same town names in Canada. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. All right. But they do speak gooder than me. Uh, next up, Anders wrote, hey, Chris, I hope you're doing well. Likewise. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure, anything. How do you study effectively for foreign exchange and stock market diploma exams? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the best time to study is the first hour of the day or do it while you're exercising, like I showed you earlier today as well. Uh, make sure you're in the right frame of mind though, because if you're not in the right frame of mind and if it feels like work and you don't enjoy it, you, don't do, you won't do well with it. But make sure when you learn that stuff, don't just memorize, try to understand it. Because if you understand it, then you'll enjoy it and you'll be good at it as well. And so with all equations, don't memorize them, rearrange them and try to understand them. Like if assets equals liabilities plus equity, rearrange that formula so that assets minus liability equals equity. My equity consists of what I have in my possession minus who I owe money to, that sort of thing. And for the rest of your life also, I want you to, um, when you look at um, equations, okay, or anything, or you divided something by something else, I want you to think of the denominators being the number one, okay, in all aspects of business and life. For example, the P-E ratio means price divided by earnings. If we make the denominator one, then that means for every $1 of earnings we have, how many times that $1 are investors paying for that stock? That's a PE. The same thing with profit margins. Profit margin means net income over revenue. Denominator, make it number one. For every $1 in revenue you have, how many pennies are you making in profit? So if your profit margin is 30%, that means for every $1 in revenue you have on the denominator, you're making 30 cents. And I'm going to teach you all statistics from scratch uh, as well, uh, in a fun way, with normal probability distribution, standard deviation, etc., in my upcoming options course. Because the way statistics is taught is so boring, but statistics is fascinating. And I'm going to teach you. Uh, I'm going to teach everything from scratch. I'm even going to teach you um, uh, how to use a Galton board, right? And this is just for normal probability. It's brilliant. It's unbelievable. If you understand that that data is normally distributed, you can make a fortune in investments. Um, I'm also going to do it with um, 
we're gonna analyze casinos uh, in the options course as well, just a small part of it. And we're gonna look at what's called Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo simulation. Stop spinning. Monte Carlo simulation. And if you think like a casino too, when you're investing, especially in options, and you write options, right? And you do it carefully because you can lose a lot of money too if you don't do it right. And if you go for singles and doubles and not home runs, you can make a fortune as well. The big secret in options is the people that make a fortune are the ones that write the options, the ones that go for singles and doubles, not home runs. Yeah. Tons of props, as always. All right. Let me just get this out of the way here. Okay. Uh, next up, I have got um, Kumaresan wrote, uh, Sir, my, Chris, please. Uh, my, my, my. I'm going to be okay. Don't worry. It's just what, one of my buckets fell over here of props. Let's see what fell out here. Ugh. Still intact. I've got a bunch of these bottles as well. I went to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta, and I'm using a ton of props as well in my options course to teach about how to trade Coke, etc. in a fun way. All right. Nothing was broken. Okay. All right. Uh, next question is, uh, Kumaresan wrote, uh, my first year college starts on November 1st. Any advice for me, sir? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's really interesting when it comes to high school or college or a new company you work at. The friends you make in the first two weeks are your friends for life. It's just the way it works. And so in the first two weeks, when you start in November there, I want you to socialize as much as possible. You know, get, go to all the events and, and meet people, have fun, um, because that network uh, is going to be the basis for your success in life. Yeah. yeah. And for anybody starting at, at a new company, don't over-prepare for day one. Because the first couple of weeks anyway, you're just going to be basically going through orientation. And if it's your very first job, don't worry. They're not going to give you anything very, very high level initially anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Manas wrote, uh, my mentor, uh, you need to take down your ebook from your website. Amazon has a policy that any book live on marketplaces cannot be given out for free. Uh, through other websites. I never knew this, a friend. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. I've taken almost everything down from Amazon. I took all my courses down from Amazon as well. Yeah, all gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I might take the rest of my books as well. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Um, and Manas said, uh, a friend informed me recently, so please look at it. I don't want anything to harm you anyway. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Amazon approached me a number of years ago, back in 2016. And they, they said, we're entering online education and we want to use you, you as our, our, our test case, you and Phil Ebener, um, and we're going to put your courses uh, on our website. Uh, and at first I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to make a fortune. But Amazon, basically, it, it's they don't promote anything. Yeah. They're, they're basically the everyday low prices company, like Walmart. So all my courses gone from Amazon. I'll never use them again. Okay. Um, thank you, though. All right. Next up. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. And as I bent down, my this thing is buzzing like crazy. So let me know my my. Got to fix my posture here. Uh, 
Okay. All right. Uh, next up, I have got here. Uh, uh, Mathila wrote, "Hey Chris, uh, can you explain derivatives? You know, I've been searching for three hours, but I never found any clear information about derivatives uh, that are easy to understand." Thank you. Yeah, I'll do that. Give me one second. Let me get another prop. The nutty professor is getting a prop here, which will explain everything. One sec. All right, I'm going to do something very dangerous right now. Okay. Here we go. Okay. All right. So I'm going to teach you all about derivatives now. So derivatives is a massive market in finance. And the global stock market market cap, you take all stocks in the world, it's about $100 billion. If you look at, uh, or if you look at derivatives, I'm sorry, it's $100 trillion. The derivatives market is $600 trillion. It's six times bigger than the stock market. And derivatives means the rate of change, right? Derive. And so you get value from derivatives based on the rate of change of other investments. One of the biggest components in derivatives is options. Okay, and options basically means making money based on the rate of change of stocks. Also within the derivatives market, there's something called swaps, okay, which basically means you make money based on the rate of change of fixed income instruments. There's also futures, which are like options, except people use it to lock in the price of something in the future, like oil. And so what I just explained there, all that stuff is under the umbrella called derivatives. Options is just one part of it. I opened an umbrella indoors. Probably bad luck, but that's okay. All right, I'll put that down over here. So hopefully hopefully that, that makes sense to you. Uh, I like to visualize things. I overdo everything I know. But hopefully it makes sense to you. And remember calculus, derivatives. It's all about the rate of change. Okay. All right, next up, I've got uh, Sarvik who wrote, uh, I always feel free to talk in this webcast. Uh, Chris is my, my send pal. Thank you. People want to be like Drake, Elon Musk, etc., but I want to be like Chris. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and Drake, he, uh, he grew up not too far away from me in Canada, um, and all of his music makes it sound like he came from a tough background, but... You know, he he started out in the upper middle class and he made it big. Yeah. Thank you. And Elon Musk, actually, he went to school in Canada. He got into Waterloo, great engineering school in Canada. He decided not to go there because he wanted to meet more women, which is why he went to Queens, which is a great university. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. All right, next up, Sadiq wrote, uh, I'm definitely interested, Chris. Please share how I can stream. Uh, what's a capture card? Uh, and which one to get. Also, I want to share my iPad screen. I want to use my Mac for streaming uh, and use uh, my iPad screen. Yeah, yeah, let, let me explain this from scratch. All right, give me one second here. Uh, I'm gonna have to tee this up. All right, so I'm gonna go here to screen capture. Okay, and let me just do a new screen capture and I will share this with you. Okay, 
So what, what I'm using right now is a product called uh, Wirecast. And the way broadcast works is you have, this is the preview and this is live. So if I click here and then I click the next button here, I go live with this scene right here. Okay, so this here is, is Wirecast. So let me now go back to this screen here. And the way that software works, broadcasting software, it's all about layers like Photoshop. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna put another layer up top here and I'm actually gonna put my face in the corner. Okay, so I'm gonna click on plus and I'm gonna go here to video capture and I'm going to grab this one here and I'll drag it down uh, in the corner here, right? It's pretty easy to use. So like this here. All right, so, so, so here we go. And now what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna go to a browser and I'll show you what equipment to get. So I'm gonna go to Amazon here and I'm gonna show you the products that, that I recommend. Now, in order to stream like, like I am here, what you need to do is you need to buy a capture card. And the one I use is called Magewell, okay? And you can get one that goes in your computer if you wanna use multiple uh, cameras, which I think is overkill, or you can buy this product here. And this is the one I recommend, okay? It's a bit pricey, but it works. So this one here, all you do is it comes with a blue cable and this box. This USB cable plugs into Mac or PC, doesn't matter. And this side here is the HDMI that goes into your camera. And then what you do is you then add a camera like, like I showed you. So if I wanted to add another angle here, I can go here and add um, this one here. So that's basically how it works. And then what you do is in order to add audio, you click here and then you go add audio and it recognizes all the audio devices connected directly to your computer, right? So that, that's that's basically how it works, that, that's, that's it. Uh, and then you also have to tell it where to stream to. So you go to output settings and then here in output settings, you select YouTube or whatever it is, right? So you can select uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, and there's tons more in here as, as well. And so that's how it works. Now, the company that makes this product uh, is called uh, Telestream, okay? It's uh, Wirecast is the name of this product. But what you can also use if, if you want to is just do a search on OBS, okay? Open broadcasting software. And you can download, uh, whoops, that's somebody advertising. You, you can actually download it for, for free, right? So OBS. There's OBS and there's Streamlabs OBS as well, but they're all free. And this is how Twitch works as well. So anyway, hopefully that, that's helpful. It works on Mac uh, as well as on a PC, yeah. It's buggy though sometimes, as you, as you all saw earlier today. Okay. Okay, uh, uh, next up, uh, Sarvik said, uh, by the way, Chris, do you know programming? I do, yeah, I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. Um, I, I've coded a ton in my life, yeah. So I'm gonna be teaching about that as well, yeah. And in the MBA program, I teach you about basic APIs and how to use them application programming interfaces, but I'm gonna add more analytics stuff as well. Yeah, anything can help you be successful in business. And I think that AI, artificial intelligence-based algorithms are gonna be used a lot in business going forward. I'm gonna teach that stuff, yeah. All right, uh, next up, Sadiq wrote, um, also, how do I soundproof my room? What's the cheapest uh, possible uh, a solution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
the best thing I recommend is make sure that there's a lot of furniture in your room. So when you go to an open house or go to an apartment you want to rent, if there's no furniture, you hear echoes. So make sure you have enough furniture, a couch and a bunch of other things in the room. What you can also do uh, if you have a tight budget is you can put up a curtain in front of you. Okay, like one of those cloth curtains. Uh, I, I get mine from Amazon for 20 bucks. Uh, and I use that in front of the door, in front of the window here to block out sound. But you can put that in front of you as well. Or you can put a towel on the wall and talk into the corner if you want to, if it's just audible. Or you can actually buy sound tiles. Okay, and they're about 30 bucks. You get them on Amazon. It's a bunch of uh, foam tiles you can put on the wall. Yeah. Don't put them on the ceiling unless you really reinforce them because if you have a, a candle or something, they fall, they could start a fire. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, Julian, how are you? Uh, Julian uh, is one of my amazing uh, MBA graduates in my platinum program from last year. He's from Sofia, Bulgaria, but he uh, and his son, uh, Martin, and his wife, they live uh, in Germany. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Julian, good to see you, brother. And Julian actually uh, asked me last year about options a lot. And I told him, dude, I got to add it to the, to the curriculum. And, and Julian, it's going to be added to class 89. And I'll make sure that everybody gets an email to tell you exactly how to get it. For anybody that's bought the MBA program in the past or in the future, you get all updates forever for free. Yeah. So Julian wrote, hi, Chris. Uh, hope all is good. And good evening from Germany. Good to see you. Uh, good, good Abend. Good Nacht. That's right. Um, Chris, uh, what are your thoughts on the, yeah, 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 about the Udemy IPO? I can't, I, I, I can't talk about it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. But I love you. Yeah. All right. Oh, and by the way, so, so Julian has this, this great product he and his son, uh, Martin designed, and you guys should check it out. It's awesome. So what you do is you go to his website, which is grizzyware.com and, and you can buy, uh, and this is his son, Martin here too. Um, they made the company together. Uh, you can buy his, his Grizzy products, right? They're, they're really, really cool. And I actually bought a, a couple of hoodies uh, for, for my kids as well. They're awesome. Very cool. And he uses Shopify right here uh, for the store. It costs you 29 bucks a month and they take care of all the commerce and all that stuff as, as well. And I, and I hope your, build, your business is going well, brother. I miss you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, next up, Kristoff uh, uh, wrote, uh, oh, you're talking to Sarlik. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, Pearl. Hey, Pearl, how are you? Pearl's in my MBA program. Great to see you. So uh, Pearl wrote here, um, uh, hey, Chris, uh, thanks for this webcast. It's very therapeutic as much as it is uh, uh, eduformative. Thank you. And I feel so privileged to be in your MBA program. It's such a gift. And I feel privileged to have you as well. And, and thank you. Thank you, Pearl. You're a gem. Okay, uh, uh, next up, Sardik wrote, uh, uh, oh, you're talking to somebody else here, okay. And whenever you guys talk to each other, and I encourage it, just put the at symbol to whoever you're talking to so I, I don't read it, yeah. Okay, um, hold on one second. Next up, Cor wrote, uh, hi, Chris. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing your happiness with us. My, my pleasure, thank you for, for being here, appreciate it. Uh, I just want to ask why the name MBA is not uh, protected. Uh, so why why you or Power MBA can't deliver a diploma, but only certificate? Yeah. So um, so M MBA is my the MBA for me stands for married but available. And no, I'm just kidding. This never comes off. I'm married to Christine forever. Yeah. Um, so it's. 
I've registered it myself. I, I own the, the trademark to many different versions of Haroon MBA, Haroon Education MBA, and all that stuff. And everything's been copyrighted to all my videos, content, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So no, nobody really owns it. Yeah. 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 Uh, in, in terms of accreditation, I'll never do it. Because what happens is when you do accreditation, what happens is you have a board that makes you cover really bureaucratic stuff so that you learn theory only and not real life practical stuff. And I, I never want to do that. Never. It would be a massive disservice to my students. Yeah, it would hurt my students. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, Mark, Mark, how are you? Mark goes by Satones. He's uh, from Detroit. Uh, he's one of my amazing uh, MBA students. I love him. He's awesome. He's very good with the options as well. So Mark wrote, um, uh, where did you go to get your DNA sequence? Uh, thanks, brother. Yeah. So I used 23andMe years ago. Um, I, I think their business model has changed a bit right now. Uh, it cost me 100 bucks to do it. Um, but you can go to your doctor and ask them uh, as well. Ask your doctor. Yeah. Abhishek, how are you? Abhishek wrote, um, what would you say about China's uh power outage uh, for, for industry, or you wrote P-O-W-E outage. Yeah, I'm not sure what that refers to. Um, if it's China with respect to power in general, um, I think there are too many disgusting coal mines that belch filth into the sky. Um, it's not a regulated industry there. Um, and about 30% of all, turn the AC off here, but 30% of all pollution above the state of California, 25 to 30% is from mainland China because of coal yeah if that's not the nature of your question please let me know thank you okay moving on to uh sadiq um actually you're talking to sardik there okay all right hold on a second guys okay a nice horse wrote you're so funny thank you um okay uh and julian wrote uh what ha what happened with amazon actually why did Jeff Bezos become the most hated CEO uh, in in the last year? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I haven't really heard much about that. Now, when it comes to controversy and, and Jeff Bezos, um, there's a couple of things. Number one, it's very hard to work at Amazon. If you stay one and a half years there, that's basically lifetime employment. It's a tough place to work, and I have a lot of friends from business school that work there. It's hard. Uh, also, um, Jeff Bezos. It looks like um, in there was an audit of his taxes. And back in 2007, he was a billionaire then, of course. Not only did he not pay any taxes, but he also claimed $4,000 for each of his four kids as dependents on his tax return. And the problem with the tax code uh, is that the 400 richest families uh, in America, 400 billionaire families, you know, they pay an average of 23% tax per year. But the highest tax bracket is close to 40% in America. Um, and so very wealthy people pay little in tax. Warren, Warren Buffett pays next to nothing every year in taxes as well. On a normalized basis, he pays 0.5% every year. And the issue is this. When you pay taxes, right, if you're self-employed, it's based on how much money you've made, realized. And if, I, if I'm Jeff Bezos and I, and I don't sell a single share of Amazon, then there's nothing to tax me on. And so I think the tax code has to change. It's, it's not fair. It's not fair that, you know, the, the wealth gap is, is widening materially in America. Um, I think there should be some sort of a tax based on assets once you pass a certain level, a billion dollars, whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and even Peter Thiel, I mean, he's a genius, right? He's the best venture capitalist in history. He doesn't pay that much in taxes. And what Peter Thiel did, so in the United States, like in all countries, you have retirement savings programs, which means you can take up to 20K or whatever it is in different countries each year and put it in a tax-free account and let the money grow and never pay taxes till you take it out. Or what you can do is in America, there's something called a Roth IRA. And what that means is every year you can put $6,000 into it and you pay taxes first, then you put the money in. And then when it grows, you take it out, you don't pay tax. And you might want to do that if you think that your tax rate is going to be much higher later in life. And so what Peter Thiel did was he took his shares uh, in PayPal, which he, he co-founded, as well as Palantir. And he put those shares into his IRA over the years, $6,000 worth. And now it's worth between 5 and $10 billion. And he never has to pay taxes on that. But what happens with very wealthy people is they hire these tax accountants, okay, and these tax lawyers for like $1,000 per hour. And it, 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 it certainly justifies the cost of what they pay because they, they don't really pay much in taxes. But the tax code is broken. It has to be fixed. Yeah. Especially for the uber wealthy. Yeah. Okay. Next, next time we got MT who wrote, uh, I have horrible social skills. I often fail to adjust in groups and people start hating me after a few days of talks. Is there any solution? Yeah, no, I'm sorry you're going through that. Yeah. Um, I would question why. Why do you feel that way? And I would, I would tell yourself that you shouldn't care what other people think of you. Because as Dr. Seuss said, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. But I want you to get to the crux of why do you feel that way? And maybe your perception, I say it with love in my heart, maybe you're just wrong with your perception. Maybe you think they feel that way, but they actually don't. And you, you got to think like an elite athlete to the extent that when you're on the playing field, when you're out there in life, you don't have time or the bandwidth to care what other people think of you. And if you really focus on what other people think of you, and most of the time they're not, but if you really focus on what other people think of you, you'll never have time to reach your full potential in life. And all the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, they never never gave a damn what other people thought of them. Because they're usually early in an industry and people think they're crazy. Then they get some success and they're crazy geniuses. And eventually they're just a genius. I'm still in the crazy mode though. Yeah. But I think you got to tell yourself, I don't care what people think of me. I'm just going to be me. And if you have additional questions based on that, uh, uh, let me know, please. Yeah, yeah. But just don't, yeah, don't worry about what the world thinks of you. You know, as Winston Churchill once said, I met a man who on his deathbed talked about all the worries he had in his life, none of which came true. And you can even tell yourself, you know, I, if I worry too much, I'm questioning my faith. You know, because God already knows what's going to happen when it comes to your career. So that's your put you at ease. Let it go. Okay. Getting hungry, man. All right. Um, and thank you all for sticking with me today, uh, despite all the technical issues I had early on.
Okay. All right. Uh, next up, Manas wrote, uh, thank you for every, everything, my mentor. Uh, God bless you and your entire family forever. Uh, see you next week and forever and ever. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And thank you for all the, the wonderful icons. Thank you. Uh, moving on to Anarag, who wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, greetings. How are you? Uh, with your experience working in investments, does your job involve reading lots of annual reports of companies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And don't get intimidated by that stuff. And the best way to do research on, on companies is always to go to investor relations, okay? So every big company in the world has their own investor relations department. So Coca-Cola, investor relations. You can do this for all companies. And when you go to the website, it'll teach you all about the company, including the annual reports. And there's something wonderful called Regulation FD, which stands for Fair Disclosure. And what that means is no company in the world is allowed to give financial information to any big fund before they give it to you. So everything is available for free at the exact same time online. And so you can listen to, to webcasts, you can read up on companies here, read all their press releases, etc. Right, quarterly uh, results here. Um, and then what you can also do is um, you can get uh, the annual report right here, okay? Um, view the report or a 10K. Now the 10K is just accounting nerd talk for the annual report, okay? Um, or you can click here to see a more colorful version of the 10K, right? So here's what it looks like. Much easier to read. Coca-Cola is so damn good at marketing, right? And all this stuff here is basically the 10K, but it looks prettier here. But if you want to read the actual 10K, you can click here to read it, okay? And it's just a bunch of text stuff here. Uh, and then here you, you can always click and get immediate access to what is the company, what are the risks, what are their financial statements, what's the executive compensation, etc. Now, if you can't find the 10K at their website, you can always go to sec.gov, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission. And then you click here on more search options and you enter in the ticker. So for Coke, the ticker is KO. And then what you do is you can find the 10K here. And an 8K means an important press release. A 10Q means a quarterly release. And you can just do a search here for 10-K. And you can read all the 10Ks going back to 1994 okay, for all companies. And you, you click here on documents and it's the exact same thing I just showed you. But here it is here. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and don't, don't let the financial babble uh, intimidate you because I teach you all this stuff from scratch in my MBA degree program uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Mark, who's in my MBA program, wrote, "Hey, brother, it, it's it, is it a good idea to sell a losing stock position to offset taxes?" Uh, thanks. You're most welcome. Yeah. It's hard, man. So what I recommend, and I, and I teach this in the MBA program, is you do at least a one-page write-up on all your stocks before you buy them. And after you finish that one-pager, put it aside. And let's say a year or two later, the stock is down and you want to sell it. What I want you to do two years from now, when the stock is down and you want to sell it, is I want you to go back to that one-pager and think to yourself, okay, the stock is down and it's down because of a couple of reasons that I didn't account for in my one pager. And had I known about those reasons why the stock is down when I wrote when I wrote this one pager two years ago, would I still have bought the stock? And if the answer is no, 
sell it, move on. If the answer is yes, then buy more if it's not a full position. Yeah. Now, in terms of tax reasons, um, I would sell it for tax reasons only if when you read that one pager, you tell yourself, in hindsight, I shouldn't have bought the stock. Okay. All right. Uh, uh... <laughs> Thank you for that comment, uh, uh, Julian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Marcos wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, classic cunning, uh, but lazy here. Best business books on having high output without putting too much input, uh, like the barbarians of, of, of Y Combinator. Yeah. So what are the books? Yeah. I would say to learn the tricks on how to be more efficient uh, in life uh, and uh, to basically optimize your career. The best thing to do is just listen to autobiographies uh, on audible.com from very successful business people. They'll tell you their blueprint for success. And, and of course, in my MBA program, I provide you with a ton of arrows in your quiver or tools in your toolbox and templates, et cetera, so that you can get stuff done faster. So I can humbly help you work smarter, not harder. Okay. Uh, and then CSS said, what's the ticker for the crypto uh, ETF? Uh, I actually don't know what it is. Let, let, let's find out together. So let's go and just do a quick search. We can probably go to Yacht. Maybe it's in yahoo finance so i'll just type up um bitcoin etf that's your furniture right purpose bitcoin etf there's plenty of them in, in in toronto here um i'm not sure which which one this is just toronto right here so i guess what we can do is let's do a search here on bitcoin etf ticker all right let's see here and it's going to be news related Okay, here it is. The first Bitcoin ETF starts selling. All right, let, let's see the name of the ticker here. Here it is, a ProShares Bitcoin ETF. Began trading at 40 bucks. Let's check it out here. All right, here it is here. I still don't see the ticker. Give me a second. I don't even know, man. Let's see. Let me go to another news release here. I'll do it really quick. Uh, let's see here, yada, yada, yada. Oh, here it is, Baito. All right. Somebody asked about Baito before, and I'm embarrassed to say, I was like, I don't know what Baito is, but it's the cryptocurrency uh, a ticker here. Okay, ProShares Trust ETF. Here we go. All right, so it started trading. Before you invest in any ETF, we go to the profile to find out what the fees are always. All right, let's see the uh, fees. I don't know why it's here. Oh, expense ratio, not available yet. So I would go right to the source to find out what the fees are. Okay, profile, summary, ProShares Trust. And let me go here to find out more details on this so we can actually get the fee structure. Paste. And let me go here. Here it is, ETF. Bitcoin strategy ETF, which is offered by ProShares. All right, let me see if I can find the expense ratio. Here it is. Okay. Oh, it's kind of a high expense ratio. Very high, actually. So the expense ratio is 0.95%. What that means is if you put in $100 into this ETF, every year you're going to pay $0.95 cents, uh, in fees. Yeah. Um, that's pretty high for an ETF fee, actually. You know, mo most ETFs have a fee well under 0.5%. Uh, 
Yeah, so if you want to do more research on it, um, you can actually go here and read what's called the prospectus, which is like an S1 document or investment offering memorandum. And so you, you can read through this to find out what all the risks are, uh, et cetera. Yeah, and the objectives of the fund, all that stuff. And here's more details on the annual fee, et cetera. All right, Baito. To answer your question, Baito. Yeah. Uh, Abigail, hey, Abigail, wrote, uh, what is your, your, your net worth, Chris? Uh, if you don't mind, of course. It's, it's pretty small. Yeah. All right. Uh, my, my network is my net worth. How's that? Uh, Sadiq said, Chris, if I buy your MBA program, then do I need to buy your other courses or does it have everything I need? Just by the MBA, you're good to go. Yeah, it, it, it's all it's, and yes, it does cover some of the concepts in other courses, but it's all brand new with brand new props in much more detail with a lot more frameworks as well. Yeah. All right. Next up, Mighty Man wrote, uh, "Will there be a sale on your uh, MBA program? It's a thousand dollars. It's outside uh, of my budget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my marketing folks, I'd have to talk to them about that. We are raising prices on everything though." like all my individual courses and everything, um, we're, we're going to price them properly. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see that will be coming out in the next uh, week or so on my website. Um, I have a, a ton of other products coming out um, in a few days as well. You'll, you'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next up, MT wrote, uh, how rich poor gap affects in reality, even when money is just a paper, how it affects assets. Rich people might not suddenly start eating food, uh, of, of hundreds uh, of, of, of people. Yeah. Um, let me think about that. Yeah. Give me an example of, of what you mean. A little bit more detail. I'm so sorry. Um, cause I want to humbly answer the question to the best of my capabilities. Thanks. All right. Next up, we got Darren who wrote, uh, I got your Udemy financial analyst trading training. Uh, I'm stronger in quali qualitative analysis. If quantitative analysis isn't my strength, can I outsource valuation price targets by using uh, analyst consensus average price targets? Yeah, no. Um, um, and I say with love my heart. You always have to do your own research. You can't outsource anything when it comes to investment research. Don't ever uh, rely on anybody to tell you what to buy or not to buy. Always do your own research. And in my MBA program, I provide you with all the tools as well. And in that course, I provide you with some tools as well that should help out a lot. Um, but you should be able to create your own financial model uh, based on what I teach in my courses and my MBA program. If you, if you have any questions, just ask in the courses and my team will answer you pretty quickly. Thanks. Okay. Um, and in my options course, I'm going to be teaching you how to, uh, how to value uh, options uh, as well using uh, three different valuation methodologies with a lot of props. And those valuation methodologies I'm teaching from scratch are as follows. Number one, the binomial pricing theorem. Uh, number two, Black-Scholes. And number three, Monte Carlo simulation. I'll be teaching all that from scratch. Uh, I never love relying on just one way to value a company. I like to look at multiple ways, always. Okay. All right, next up, um, I've got... Okay, Alex, and if I miss any questions, paste it again, please. And by the way, if you guys put in hyperlinks into your, your questions, for some crazy reason, it's moronic, but YouTube strips them out. Yeah. Okay, uh, Alex wrote, Chris, hypothetically speaking, if Bitcoin was 
to be the new currency exchange to use. And normal fiat or paper-based currencies were eliminated in all countries. Which country would be the most prepared uh, to use it? Well, probably El Salvador, uh, because they're, they're doing a big test project, which I think is a little bit fiscally irresponsible uh, on replacing their currency with, with, with Bitcoin. Okay. Um, and next up, Sadiq wrote, I read somewhere that we often suffer more in imagination than reality. It's so true. It's so true. Most of our worries are self-inflicted. It's true. Uh, and then you wrote, uh, this quote really touched my heart when I first read it. I just wanted to share for those who are going through tough situations. God bless you for that, Sadiq. I love it. Let me read that again. We often suffer more in imagination than reality. It's true. It's true. Things are never as bad as they seem. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And Dale Carnegie, who's had a tremendous influence on me, probably more so than any other motivational speaker or writer, he wrote a great book you should read. Uh, it's called um, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And, and what Dale Carnegie does is he talks about living uh, in, in what are called day-tight compartments. Meaning, don't worry about the past. You can't control it. Don't focus too much on the future. Just focus on today. And enjoy every day. And for those of you that are, that are, are newly married and, and you have kids, enjoy every second, man. Because before you know it, they're going to be gone. Right? They'll grow up and leave the house. And by the time your, your child is 12 years old, you've already spent... 90% of the time you'll ever spend with them. It's true. It's crazy. And so if you're out there walking your baby, okay, in a stroller, and I've been there, and an older person, man or woman, looks at you and smiles, they're saying, enjoy this. So I remember I used to walk my kids in the double stroller. I have Irish twins, or these two here are 15 months apart. And I remember it was stressful sometimes, you know? I enjoy them, obviously. And people would often look at me as I was walking my kids and smile while I look a little bit stressed out. Just enjoy every second and count your blessings. And for me, every day before I get out of bed, I thank God for 10 things in this order. Andrew Matthew Dillon, Christine, my wife, my mom, my dad, my brother, Jamie, my sister, Katie, my sister, Elizabeth, and you, my students. Appreciate what you have. Practice gratitude daily before you get out of bed. <clears throat> All right, get a little bit of coffee. All right, and 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 Mark, um, who's based in Detroit, one of my MBA students, good dude. He wrote, "I have a friend who's required to take six thousand dollars out of their IRA every year, or they get penalized. Is it because they're over the retirement age? It could be. It could be. I'm not sure. I, I know that." you're allowed to redeem with fewer penalties from a lot of retirement savings accounts after you reach a certain age. Yeah, but I'm not sure why that's the point. Yeah. Okay, uh, next up, uh, um, uh, MT wrote, uh, I sometimes become hyper after being friendly and that causes problems after some time. Plus, I even lack a good humor in social group, uh, which makes me uh, vulnerable, I, I feel. Yeah, uh, I don't know the right the right answer for that. Um, I, I love you and I, I feel your pain you're going through. I, I've been there. Um, it, it might be because, like, you got to ask yourself why you feel that way. 
And if part of it is because you care what other people think of you, um, then what I would do is I'd, I'd kind of condition yourself to not give a damn what others think of you. Yeah. If that's the case, it might be another reason that I'm just not uh, professionally equipped to, to help with. I don't know. Yeah. But I love you. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Brian wrote, hello, Chris. Does it only apply for publicly traded companies? Um, and that, that's a follow-up question. I'm not sure uh, what you're asking about. Maybe it's with respect to uh, annual reports and that sort of thing. But before investing in any company, private or public, you should be able to get access to an investment offering memorandum. Okay, um, And if you don't get one for a private company, if they don't have it, then don't invest. Uh, next up, uh, Christoph wrote, uh, well, it's been, <clears throat> pardon me, it's been a year now since I was thinking it's Trump's destiny to get into the media, social media sector. Yeah, I saw the news this morning too. He wrote, well, he just launched a social uh, media platform called Truth, Truth Social. Uh, it, it could be, could get interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think what he's doing, he's probably gearing up to uh, to run for, for re-election. Um, and, and he needs some sort of platform to be able to articulate his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And he certainly understands how to use the media. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, Christoph wrote, um, starting uh, November 30th, Canadians cannot fly without their, uh, their vaccine passport. Uh, are we sure this is about health? Doesn't anyone know history and how these developments never end well? Yeah. And what really, um, I, I, I'm vaccinated, um, but what, what really kills me is how a lot of countries, a lot of civil liberties are being taken away because of COVID. And I do worry that after COVID is done, I worry we don't get these liberties back. And my favorite license plate in the world is a license plate of the great state of New Hampshire. And on the license plate, it says, live free or die. Yes, it's extreme, but sometimes we have to be extreme in our thought process and what we say in order to maintain our civil liberties. And I am very worried that in many countries, we're not gonna get them back. And I have students in every country in the world, and I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions in my platinum program with my students. And many of them have told me, that their liberties have been taken away. And when they go outdoors past curfew, they get beaten in many countries. It's crazy. And it's not fair. Yeah. And thank God we're all journalists. We all have these things in, in our pocket, right? Um, so that if, if something happens to us, whatever, or friends around you that are, are being unfairly treated by police, whatever it might be, you can always share it with the world. <clears throat> Myron, how are you? Myron is one of my amazing MBA students. She's originally from Kenya and we're building a school in honor of her wonderful, beautiful mother, uh, the Leah uh, Koro School uh, in Kenya uh, next year. Uh, uh, Myron also has uh, two great companies that she started and I won't talk about them until you let me, but there's one in particular that I can't wait until you launch it because I'm going to market the heck out of it on this weekly call. And you inspire me so much, sister. So Myron wrote, uh, Chris, uh, uh, Chris, and all the templates you provide on management uh, and delegation and daily planning are awesome. They help me achieve more. The MBA is changing my life. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you're, you're, you're enjoying it. Thank you. 
And I love the little cross you have on the back of your wall there that your mom put on the wall many, many years ago. Next up, uh, Julian wrote, uh, uh, when you invest in a newly traded company, is it always better to wait um, for six months approximately until the early investors uh, sell their stocks? It all depends. So what happens is this, um, when you're an insider at a company and you own shares, or say you've worked at a company for years and you have shares and the company goes public, you can't sell for six months. And the reason is because if you could sell on day one, everybody'd be selling and the IPO would go down very, very fast. And so they wait six months and they wait six months on purpose because what happens is after the IPO, the company goes public, hopefully the stock goes up. Uh, and then 30 days after the IPO, what happens is this. 30 days after the IPO, the investment bankers that took the company public, their research analysts will initiate coverage with a buy rating or neutral rating. Yeah, never sell. Um, and basically, they'll support the stock over time, although there's supposed to be a Chinese wall separating banking from trading and, and equity research. And so the stock will stabilize that way as well because the marketplace will understand the company better because these sell-side analysts at the big investment banks will issue their coverage and research reports and initiation reports and quarterly reports on these companies. But usually what happens, yes, the stock does go down six months after, in many cases, right? It's tough to game the system though, using game theory. And for me, for example, when I used to work in venture capital, when I received shares in a company, right? When we harvested the investment, meaning when it went public, I wasn't allowed to sell for six months but a massive percent of my, of my net worth was in those stocks. So I didn't give a damn how good that company is. I'd be selling after six months. I have to. Otherwise, it's fiscally irresponsible for me not to do so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what I would, I used to short, when I worked in the hedge fund industry, I used to short stocks into the lockup six months out, and then I'd cover and go long, especially if I was a long-term believer in the company. Okay. Thank you, Myron. Appreciate that. God bless you. Okay. Uh, next up, CSS said, yeah. Hey, Chris, I was the first time asked something on live. Uh, thank you for the answer. You're most welcome. Bye, Doe. Yeah. Thank you for the question, too. And, dude, I learned so much based on the questions my students ask. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. I created a crypto course, and I didn't know the ticker for the ETF. Bye, Toe. Now I know. Thank you. Oh, the fees are ridiculously high at 0.95%. That's a little bit high. Okay. Uh, next up, MT wrote, uh, and give me one second here. It jumps on me sometimes. Yeah, MT wrote, well, actually, do rich poor gap really matter when rich people don't spend money? It won't matter as money is just paper in some banks. Uh, it's the resources which matter then don't you think uh, it, it, it doesn't matter? Yeah, it, it's tough because the way that um, the tax code is set up is it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. You pay taxes based on how much money you make. And making money when you're really wealthy, it's all relative, right? You have to actually sell something and realize a profit before you pay taxes. Yeah, so it's kind of an elusive concept. But I do think the tax code should be changed so that if you're a billionaire or worth an insane amount of money, every year you have to pay a certain amount. 
you have to because it's tragic that the gap between that, that haves and the have nothings is getting wider and wider and wider. It's, it's not fair. Yeah. And I am a capitalist. Absolutely. Uh, but um, up to a certain point. All right. Sadiq wrote how to win friends and influence people. I read it and it affected, it affected me big time. I really love this book. Me too. And then you wrote Dale Carnegie uh, really has a great impact on me and how I talk to people now. Absolutely. He's, he's amazing, dude. He's incredible. And Warren Buffett actually was terrified of public speaking. And when he was younger, he took a course, the Dale Carnegie public speaking course. And on his wall, he does not have his degree from Columbia University. On his wall, he has a certificate of completion for the Dale Carnegie course. And he said publicly that had he not learned how to speak to people effectively through Dale Carnegie's teachings, he wouldn't be nearly as successful as he is today. And Warren Buffett is such a great communicator because of what he learned from Dale Carnegie. And you never watch an interview with Dale Carnegie on television. And after it's done, you never say to yourself, I'm confused. He's a quintessential communicator. And he learned that through practice and through the Dale Carnegie course and Dale Carnegie's book. And I recommend everybody read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, because without that book, none of these other self-help gurus would exist today or they wouldn't be nearly as successful. And Dale Carnegie wrote that book back in, uh, in the 1930s. And human nature hasn't really changed since then. And I recommend going to audible.com and downloading the book right now, if you haven't already done so, and just listen to it. It's timeless. Okay. And then Seek said, uh, likewise, uh, and thanks, Chris, for the kind words. You're most welcome. Thank you for being here. Okay. Uh, Rashan Preet wrote, uh, sir, um, how can I be a venture capitalist? Yeah. So what I recommend if you want to go into VC is start at least one or two companies first. And it doesn't matter if you're incredibly successful or not. It'll help you a lot. And the reason is because when you go to work in venture capital and you're competing and fighting against other venture capital firms to win a deal. The founder of the company will choose you and your firm based on your past experience. Because what happens is this, when a venture capital firm invests in a startup, you get a board seat. And when you sit on the board, you offer advice if asked by the founder of the company. And I always view myself, and I've been on tons of boards, but I always view myself as when I'm on the board, as a prosthetic extension of the management team. And my goal as a board member, and I'm very competitive and I fight for my students and my companies that I invest in. My goal as a board member is to get the first call from the CEO when she or he needs help. And my specialty always when it comes to being on boards is helping with sales and finding customers, that sort of thing. And anything else I'm asked to do to help with. All right. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Stephen wrote, uh, Media, PBS, CNN, Wall Street Journal, they keep saying 4.3 million Americans are quitting jobs. Why do I feel large banks like my own don't care if I stay or leave? Uh, the good jobs aren't going anywhere. Uh, no one is giving those up. Yeah, and a lot, and, and the, the, the employment statistics have been kind of obfuscated or, or they become somewhat confusing because it's based on people looking for work, right? You have to be looking for a job to be included in the unemployment statistics. 
And a lot of people post COVID are not looking for jobs. They don't care anymore because a lot of people are, are thinking with this awful health scare, you only live once. It's the YOLO economy. You only live once. And so people aren't looking for jobs. They just don't care as much anymore. Uh, in, in terms of the good jobs aren't going anywhere. Uh, no one is, is, is giving up. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's, there's always turnover. There's always turnover. And if you want to get the job of your dreams, then you got to network with people that work at whatever company is you want to work at. Get to know them. And when a job opening opens up, you can call upon those people and ask them for help. And I teach you how to do this in semester one of my MBA program in the personal growth track. All right. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Stephen wrote, uh, clerks, tellers, cashiers, low-level salesmen selling pointless financial products. The lower-end finance leaders in-house never address compensation, but promote growth at no avail. Uh, and then you wrote, it's like if you're at the bottom of a smart industry, the attitude feels more like stay right where you are at, and then move up. Uh, finance at the bottom becomes very vague. People indeed are, are leaving uh, these overhyped, crummy jobs with laughable pay and absolute horrid outlook uh, plans uh, for one's future. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. So I think one of the most misunderstood things about the finance industry is the fact that almost all jobs in finance are sales oriented. They are. Most of them are sales oriented. You're selling the services of a company uh, in return, obviously, for, for compensation or, or investments. And the people that make it to the top of a lot of these finance firms, meaning partners, they're great salespeople. That's what they are. A partner is a salesperson. And you can learn these social skills as well. And I teach a lot of them in my MBA program. A lot of it is sales oriented. And what frustrates me about a lot of big banks, and I worked at Goldman as well. And Goldman doesn't hire the smartest people, which is why they hired me. They hire people that kind of get along and people that are good at sales, whatever. But I understand now, having worked at Goldman Sachs, I understand now why so many successful politicians come out of that place. Because people that do extraordinarily well in finance are great at sales. It is what it is. Yeah. And it can be frustrating too because it's not a meritocracy. You don't eat what you kill. You know, it's not based on how much money you make the firm. It's based on how well you've networked within the firm as well. And that's why you have to find multiple mentors in any firm you work at to help you rise up through the ranks. We need multiple Yodas always. And mentor other people as well because when one teaches, two learn. All right, give me one second here. All right, next up, Alex P. Alex P. Keaton. Uh, Alex P. said, uh, uh, do you think uh, P2P, meaning peer-to-peer -peer lending, uh, in the banking industry is still relevant uh, today. Yeah, it's something that's going to be more relevant in the future. And before I look at investing in any company, I ask myself this question. In five or 10 years, is this company or their technology or their product or service going to be more relevant than it is today? And I think peer-to-peer -peer lending is something that's going to be incredibly relevant, especially when it comes to micro-lending. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, investing in, I don't know, lending tree, for example. It's out there. It's going to happen. And more people are going to be lending money to each other, as long as it's a somewhat regulated industry. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Uh, next up, uh, Rasham Preet wrote, um, uh, sir, can I get the chance to work with you? Thank you. I appreciate that. Every now and then, actually, on my website, up in the main menu, I write, we are hiring, and I get a ton of resumes, and then I, I take it down. Yeah, thank you. But just keep looking for it, because every now and then, um, we we need help. Yeah, thank you. All right. And then Stephen, who works in the finance industry, wrote, I also feel those who transferred into finance from other industries are hardly recognized. I look young, so I think part-time, it's plenty good for, for a young guy, not knowing uh, uh, not knowing in, in way older. All right, give me one second here. I lost my spot here. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Much of the open jobs are for legitimate, experienced professionals or students and MBA graduates. Yeah. No, I, I would say that you, you can start anywhere um, in any company and make it to the top from the mailroom, even without an education. I have to give examples now. So Sidney Weinberg, who is the CEO of Goldman for a decade or two, he started from the mailroom, no education. Simon Cowell from American Idol, he started in the mailroom. David Geffen started in the mailroom. Um, the, the former president of ESPN, and the former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan, she started in the mailroom. A lot of people start in the mailroom. You know, they work their way up to the corner office. Why? Because they're very social and they network a lot. And you, you know what I'm talking about? The, the mail person in your company who delivers you the mail and talks about, hey, did you see the game last night? Like very social. And I think the bottom line message here and what the takeaway is, what we can learn, is that relationships are more important than product knowledge. So you have to network a lot aggressively and find Yodas in your company or industry to help you grow. And as I mentioned earlier, you have to mentor others as well because when one teaches, two learn. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, and Alex P said, "Chris, uh, I like the haircut, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, dude. I've been all I've been gray since my twenties." I remember I used to work at Goldman years ago. People would say, Chris Roon is growing, is going gray, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of throw some stuff in here. It's kind of fun. I'm doing something a little bit different here, but, but I look like the guy from the Sopranos now, you know, the guy that looks like this with the hair. So it's, and I got the hair light on me as, as well. And my hair used to look a bit red when I, when I dyed it, I got a different color now. Yeah. I go to somebody named Dee Dee. I used to cut my hair for years and there's this woman, Dee Dee. Uh, in in Burlingame, close to where I live, that that does my hair. She she's great. Yeah. And I'm trying to convince her to change her business model to a subscription business model. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, next up, Sadiq wrote, uh, "Not bringing religion into it. However, uh, Islam suggests something called uh, zakat, which is a kind of wealth tax on wealthy people. Uh, they have to pay a certain amount uh, of their wealth. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Thank you." Yeah, I, I really do think there should be a wealth tax. I, I really, really, it's just not fair because the highest tax bracket is close to, you know, 35 to 40% in America and, and the, the richest people pay nothing in taxes. It's not fair. Yeah. And the world's getting better with this too. And again, I am a capitalist, but tons of countries just got together to come up with a minimum tax for corporations globally. That's a good thing. Yeah. As long as the world doesn't move left wing. It should be going this way. Yeah. Okay, next up, uh, uh, Christoph, a fellow libertarian, 
who said, uh, uh, Chris, do you know of any sources online that may provide a Canadian in a generally short amount of time, a steady $1,000 per month of, of income? Yeah. So, so I think there's a couple of ways. I mean, you, you, you can teach online, for example. Uh, there's plenty of places to do it. Um, you can also go to upwork.com or you can go to fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and, and basically sell or do anything online. You know, it can be basic brochureware, uh, creating wireframe documents for apps, creating presentation materials, um, using Photoshop, um, doing video editing, etc. Check it out, upwork.com as well as fiverr.com. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you live. Okay. And then Christoph wrote, I, I don't have much skills for online yet uh, until I, I do your MBA. Uh, but in the meantime, I, I want to work online uh, ASAP. Yeah. Check out those two sources, man. Like yeah, upwork.com uh, as well as fiverr.com. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sadiq wrote, I, I feel there is no business without sales. It's true. What's a successful entrepreneur or CEO? They're salespeople. And I teach you how to sell in my program as well in the sales marketing and communications track of my MBA program. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you wrote, no business means no need for finance uh, professionals. Um, uh, I mean, I think sales is probably the most important thing in business or even negotiating uh, and dealing with people in general. Um, it, it helps uh, in tackling many situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and without sales skills, I don't think that you can create a successful company because an entrepreneur is selling themselves to raise money or to sell their products. And a CEO is a salesperson, et cetera. And you can learn this too. Yeah. I teach it. All right. Um, and Rajesh wrote, I really love uh, the work you put in. Thank you. Uh, you're so inspiring. Thanks, sir, for all these things you do. My, my pleasure. And thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you all for your patience with me today. Uh, and if, if you're getting value out of this webcast, please click the like button as well. That, that'll help. Thanks. So stupid of me to ask that after I messed up big time today. Yeah. Click the down like button maybe instead. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up, Addy wrote, uh, what is more important, building a different product uh, meaning a product that is different in many ways from others in the same market, or better products, meaning a similar product, but better, putting SaaS into focus. SaaS stands for software as a service, yeah. Um, okay, so you're basically saying, do you build a brand new market or do you enter a current market with a better product? Um, I think it's all relative. Um, it, it, it's kind of like you look at Uber. You know, Uber didn't invent the taxi market. They just made it better. And so what I would do is I start to look at markets that have not yet been disrupted and try to disrupt those markets with, with a better product. Yeah. It, it's hard for me to answer, but in the third semester in my MBA program, I have a venture capital boot camp where I ask you a gazillion questions and I work with you to create a business model. And failing to plan is planning to fail. And I always have my students create business models and business plans that require zero dollars for them to put in at all. Because I only want you to make very scalable businesses. Yeah. And I teach that again in the third of four semesters in my MBA program. Yeah. All right. Um, 
uh, uh, let's see here. And Rajesh uh, said, uh, uh, sir, I, I have a question, Chris, please. I have a question. I'm looking to land in digital marketing as my first career. Uh, what would be your advice on this? Uh, any tips to do? Yeah. Yeah. So so what I would say, of course, networking, I'm not going to go down that path. You know what I mean uh, by that? Um, I would go to LinkedIn and I would find a bunch of profiles of people that work in the industry. And I would look through their profile to see what experience they have and what technologies they understand. And if there are certain tech products that they use from a digital marketing perspective that they've listed on their LinkedIn profile, then go online and learn those skills as well. But there's no substitution for, for networking. Yeah. It's like a gap analysis. It's kind of like, you know, th think about, um, you know, where you are now, okay, and, and where you want to be in 10 years. And there's a gap. And just focus on filling that gap. And that's what Jeff Bezos does at, at Amazon. You know, what he does or what he did for many, many years is every year he had his product managers in all sectors of Amazon, meaning Kindle, Prime, Amazon Web Services, etc. He'd have his product managers for all products write a press release today that's going to be released many years in the future. And that kind of creates a gap. Where are we now and where do we need to be? And then you focus on filling that gap to make that press release become a reality in the future. And we can do the same thing with our careers as well. Where are we now? Where do we want to be in 10 years? How do we fill that gap? And with your question, when it comes to digital marketing, go to the LinkedIn profile of people that work in digital marketing and see what skills they have and fill that gap. Yeah. And you can do it through internships as well. And I can go down that path as well if you want to ask me uh, about that. Okay. Okay. Um, whoops. I'm getting that buzzing thing on my on my neck here from this. It's supposed to keep my posture straight, but driving me crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, I got uh, Mark who wrote, uh, who's in my MBA program. He wrote, uh, "Do we think we should tax the wealthy wealthy when they are creating thousands of?" jobs for families and changing the world yeah yeah it's a tough call i i still think we should i'm i mean not task i mean i don't believe in taxing somebody out of existence um but i do think there should be some sort of wealth tax right and it's not going to hurt them i mean if if you're worth 100 billion dollars and you have to pay an extra 10 percent tax per year you know, that, that's, that's $10 billion. That, that can do a lot of good for the have-nothings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and then uh, MT wrote, um, well, well, what if... That was just one of my props settling there. Well, that's my alarm. To tell me it's 11 a.m. and the call is over. I'm so sorry. I, I got a, I got a, I got a bolt. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my, my, uh, my office hours for my gold and platinum MBA students. Starts at 11:20 today. Um, so I want to thank you all for your time today. Uh, I know there's a bunch more questions. Please save them and ask me, uh, ask me next week. Um, my, my vlogs drop every day at, at 8 a.m. Um, and um, God bless y'all. I'll see you next week for office hours, week number 159.
Um, have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. Um, thank you so much, uh, for everybody, for, for your time. Uh, and I will see you all um, next next Thursday. And because I had to restart Wirecast, I don't have an end screen here. Um, so I'm just going to end it now as it is. All right, guys, take care. I'll, I'll see you. See you next week. Thank you. Well, that ends this week's podcast. I want to thank you very much for your time. If you want to download my latest book for free or get access to coupons on my courses or learn more about my MBA degree program and much more, please visit haroonventures.com. Again, that's haroonventures.com. Thanks again for listening in.